Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Dr. Fuck and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley, better known as Wadzilla. So enjoy another awesome, incredible episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Bam, 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 diddly dee. Schmackamagab, everybody, it's me. With me is... Oh, yeah! Did it come across? No? Uh, I don't know. Maybe that shit's lost forever. Well, everybody everybody out there that's uh, listening to the show, come to YouTube and watch Ian crack a beer. Yeah, there you go. He don't make some noise, but he is cracking them on video. If you can't hear it, uh, just crack your own beer and pretend. Exactly. It's Wadzilla, baby. How you doing? Ah. I'm good, black asleep, but I'm here yawning my ass off. Um, feeling good, you know. Health is good. Just, you know, I've had a long day, man. And, oh shit! You uh, hit me up saying let's do something, and we're doing something. Yeah, yeah, we we fucked up. <laughs> we uh. We originally decided on your uh, Almost Human channel when we did the live stream on Thursday, uh, the KISS episode. I, I was so like, ugh, after KISS, I was like, man, let's do something good. Not, not even a fan episode, let's do something good. So let's do Alice Cooper Killer. Then I realized we did Alice Cooper Killer. <laughs> and I called you this morning, and I said, hey, uh, we already done that. Pick something else. So then you picked Sad Wings. I was like, okay. Let me double check, make sure we didn't do that. And we both did that. Couldn't find out we did it. And uh, thanks thanks to Samuel Wetz, who, who set you straight. But now we're doing my favorite Judas Priest album of all time. So so I'm happy. I'm happy. And we're recording again. Doing a regular show. Been a minute. But we're also doing a YouTube thing. Yes, yes. And uh, this is how it's going to be. From now on, there is going to be a video, ver- we're, we're an audio-visual podcast now, like all the successful ones. <laughs> um, we're going to have the YouTube version, and we're going to have the Podbean version. Now, you know, with the with the audio version, it's going to be what you're used to, with the stuff in the background, all that shit, all the awesome stuff that Ralph picks out that you all know and love. Uh, with the YouTube version, we're not going to have that because of all the copyright shit. But some people want to see us. I don't know why. And some people want to hear us. That I totally get. Uh, but this week, uh, this episode is going to be posted on Monday. This Before the coming weekend, I will have the Patreon all set up. Uh, so you guys can join that. What we decided we're going to do is for five bucks a month, uh, we've got, as of now, we only have one tier. Five bucks a month, you're going to get... Uh, at least two live shows a month that only Patreons uh, can be part of. And, you know, we'll even do, like, every once in a while, we're going to pick one of the Patreons and we'll make you part of the show. Not going to be, like, every week, you know, but we'll pick different people at random, make you part of the show, and you'll just get something exclusive that nobody else will get. Uh, And just another reason not only to join our Patreon, but to join the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast uh, YouTube page. I mean, you should be on the Facebook page already. 
But yeah, going forward now, you're going to have the audio, the visual, the whole fucking shebang. And we still got those t-shirts that nobody's bought in a long fucking time. Make sure you go to Tone Threads. Or Tone, yeah, I think it's Tone Threads. <laughs> and, and it's been so long, I don't even fucking remember. Uh, type in Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Get your fucking Rock and Metal Combat Podcast t-shirts, which everybody loves. Uh, but now you can do the Patreon thing, and it's just going to be something more um, that we can offer you guys and a uh, whole other way to enjoy the show and hang out with us. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of entertainment for five bucks a month, goddammit. Oh, yeah. So let's do it. We're going to start next week. Yes, yes. Uh, this episode will be aired on Monday. I don't know what the fucking date is, but it'll be on Monday. And the coming Saturday is when we'll do our first Patreon show. Don't worry, I will have everything set up. Uh, get on the Facebook page. All the information will be there. Hopefully Tuesday, Wednesday by the latest. I will have everything ironed out. And uh, you guys can get ready for the fucking weekend, goddammit. Hell yeah. Yeah, and, and it should be set up uh, that even, you know, if you can't be there live for it Saturday, if you are a Patreon, you will still have... Uh, you know, access to whatever we do on Saturday. But I implore all of you to be there live if you can. Yeah, it'll be fun. Fucking A-Ride? Greatest podcast in the fucking world. America's podcast. Truly America's podcast. Did you hear what Ralph said? He called it America's podcast. (laughs) It's America's... It's the world's podcast. Fuck that. We're going global. Thank God you give a wink, wink, and then after the show, you give them a call and you iron it all out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I I do it with a wink, you know. That's the difference. (laughs) But, uh, you know, we've been doing, you know, the the live shows for a while. Haven't done a regular episode. uh, So no new iTunes reviews. I don't think there's any Podbean reviews. Tell you the truth, I haven't been on Podbean for a while because we haven't done any regular episodes. So fuck it, let's get to something we haven't done in forever, and that is the news. And there's been so much I news, need, Ralph. I need, I need to take a break. Uh, I need to go to the bathroom. Oh. Okay, potty break. Potty break. Let me uh, get back to the good people here. So this is live, man. This is live, and when Ralph's got to take a shit or a piss, he's got to take a shit or a piss, you know. You know me, I'm going to take some pee-pee breaks. You're going to see that shit on the live show. That shit gets edited out of the audio. But uh, this is uh, pee-pee breaks included and poop breaks. So how you guys doing? What are you wearing? Let's see. Let's see. Ah, it's going to be a good episode. Good to get back at this shit. But you fine people. The fine people and then that those two assholes. You know who you are. You two assholes. Maybe three. Oh, man. What a day. How was your guys' football day? My fucking Raiders got fucking skull drug. It's fucking embarrassing. I mean, I knew we were going to lose, but not like that. Fucking football. It's a curse. It's a curse. If you don't like sports, consider yourself lucky. One, one less thing that's going to give you a fucking heart attack. And if you're a fan of any team in the AFC West other than the Raiders, go fuck yourself. Up the ass. I hate football. I 
hate football. It sucks. Heartbreaking, it's demoralizing. Haven't had fun since 1983. But god damn it, we're gonna have fun today. Talk about Judas Priest. It'd be fucking awesome. Talking about my favorite Judas Priest. Spoiler alert! It's not your favorite Judas Priest album, you're wrong. It's much heavier than Kiss. So, uh, you fucking Kiss Tards. Put on some diapers. This is men's metal. Make you shit yourself. See, Ralph already had to go to the bathroom. We ain't even started the fucking review yet. Yum, yum, yum. Beer, beer, beer. All right. All right, he's back. Yeah, you know you know what was cool? Is that What's that? When I went to the bathroom, you, you kept talking, saying, like, it's live. We're not live. Oh, yeah. We're not live, but the video's not going to be edited, right? That's what I, I, I was about to say. Well, it's good. We should talk when we go to each other's bathroom, so I don't have to fucking edit the show at all. There you go. Just trying to help, boss. That's right, boss. Here to help. <laughs> yeah, all right. I, I was watching today. I got Amazon Prime. Yeah. And they have a, a show. It's called The 50 Worst Movies Ever Made. Yeah. And, uh, like, number four was Smoking the Bandit 3. I was, I'm part of the top five. Of the worst movies made. I think Smoking the Bandit Three is like top four of the five worst movies. That's how bad it is. You know, you know, you know what they said. I didn't know this about Smoking the Bandit Three. It was originally called Smokey Is the Bandit. Yep, I knew that. Where Jackie Gleason plays the Bandit and yeah, but then they changed it and Jerry Reed plays. What's crazy, I saw that in the fucking theaters. What year did that come out? Was that 83? 83. Yeah, I was I was nine years old, and I knew how bad it sucked at, at nine years old. You know, I, I knew. But I was kind of seasoned by then. I started going to movies, like, you know, when I was around five, like going to R-rated movies and everything. I'd see multiple movies a week. And I already knew then what, what a fucking horrible movie it was. Aside, you know, from the great extra work in there by you. But yeah, that was the only good thing about that movie. Me and my crocus shirt. Yeah. It was so bad that the elephant from Smoking the Bandit 2 read the script and refused to be in it. <laughs> That's how bad it was. True story. Wow. All righty. Well, let's get to the news. Yeah, let's do this. And uh, since I, I know you've had a long day, it's been forever since we've done news, I'm going to keep going to you say... Uh, I've had it with the fucking news. Let's start the review already, okay? Okay, all right. No, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I can go for the long haul. Okay, I'm all like right. I to get up early tomorrow. It's good. I'll be sleepy, but I'll I'll plow along. I don't want to go to bed so early, you know? All right, okay. All right, well, Chad Gray says Mudvayne has hired a second guitarist to fill the band's sound out live. It's awesome. Uh... Do you think having that second guitarist live will change your opinion on Mudvayne Ralph? Oh yeah, because uh, they suck. And if they, add <laughs> good, if they add another guitar player, I'll be a big fan then. Uh, I saw Mudvayne live once at one of the uh, Ozfest. What? Yeah, one of the, one of the I was Ozfest. There. I was there. And yeah, yeah, we were at the same venue. Uh, and by that point, I think it was their second or third album. 
and I really didn't like anything past the first album. So all I was like, okay, play Dig and then bring on the next band because I love that fucking song. But uh, they they went way commercial after that and uh, really gave up on them. And I figure you probably never liked them to begin with, huh? I only like the demos. Oh, really? Okay. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, you know all the all the all the elite metalheads. Yeah. But, you know, the only good thing Metallica did was No Life to Leather. Yeah, after you know, that they the, sold out. Yeah, one of those type people. I could say that about the band Cynic, though. Cynic, yeah. their demos were awesome. Then when they became big with Focus, not they my, lost Focus, huh? No, no, no. It became big, but they right. They totally changed their sound. Happens a lot. All right. Well, dipshit Aaron Lewis explains the key difference between touring with Stained and touring solo. Uh, and I didn't even read the article, but I'm going to guess that uh, touring with Stained, he performs to pussy metal fans, and touring solo, he performs to pussy country fans. That shit's fucking horrible. How did that shit ever get big? Man, the 90s fucking sucked. Hey, I got to tell you, man, the reason it became big is because it's horrible. What doesn't become big that's not horrible, dude? Come on. Yeah, it's not too often something good uh, uh, that's big. Hey, man, uh, forever. I mean, yeah, I know we have differences of opinion when it comes to ghosts. You know, yeah. but I like I like the poppy direction ghosts took, and they're big now. But other than them... I can't think of one band that's popular that I like. I mean, I love a lot of new bands, but they ain't popular. Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. That's why we're fucked. Well, well, here's the deal. I only like new bands that sound like old bands. So in a way, yeah. I'm stuck in the past too. I'm just not as bad as those people that, you know, like Eddie Trump only likes right. old stuff. I like new stuff, but it's got to sound like the old stuff. So I'm kind of like Eddie Trunk, but at least I'll explore new movie, music and not be, uh, you know, uh, what, what is it? Um, he's into like shit like Dirty Honey and, <laughs> and you know, these new bands. But yeah. they're these new bands that already have this kind of buzz and management throwing money at Eddie Trunk for him to like them. It's like, yeah. fuck, you know, it, it, to me, Dirty Honey, the struts, it's all terrible of Greta Van Fleet. It's horrible, horrible new music. That, where if you think rock's coming back, those ain't the bands that are gonna do it. Let me tell you. And I and, and it's already been proven because rock ain't back. Yeah, you're damn right about that. All right. Well, this next story, uh, you might have incorporated some of this in one of your newer videos that unfortunately I haven't got to watch yet. I do watch a shit ton of your videos, but you put out so goddamn many. Every uh, day. Sometimes, yeah, it, it takes me a while. Every day, but, uh, two times a day, every day. Yeah, that's a lot of entertainment for free. For free. For this shit, you're going to pay us, you know, for, for the extra shit. Yeah, and I'm going to put extra rocket sauce in this. Yeah, you know, extra I'm, rocket sauce. I'm getting sauce. all lazy and, and tired now. But when it's time to do the Patreon show, I'm going to get a lot of sleep before that show. Yeah, we, we it's going to get greasy and dirty. Uh, but I saw you, you made a video recently about K.K. Downing, uh, you know, and his incessant crying. Uh, in this story, uh, he, he says, 
the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame performance just didn't feel like it used to. Uh, he also said that, you know, he wasn't allowed to walk the, uh, the red carpet with the band and everything. Um, and I think it's, it's bullshit. I mean, I really do. But, uh, I mean, what, what, what's your theory? Does he just need to shut the fuck up or does he have a righteous anger, uh, to speak out all this? Uh, no, not, he doesn't have righteous anger. That's for sure. But yeah, speak out because they're not going to let you back. And as I understand it, hearing from the priest side, he kind of kept his distance from Jesus Priest at the Rock Hall. Didn't really make effort to be friendly with any of them, but Richie yeah. Faulkner went up to him and they hit it yeah. off. But the rest of the guys, uh, they said it, man. But KK wouldn't come nowhere near us. I don't know the whole story, I mean, you know, maybe because of management saying, look, you can't walk the red carpet. Then KK was like, well, fuck these guys and avoid them. Either way, man, KK's fucking it up. It doesn't look like he's coming back. He's just not coming back. Yeah. And it, it's all because of man. It's not because of Rob Alford. It's not because yeah. of Ian Hill. It's Jane Andrews and, and Glenn Siffy are the ones that are making sure he'll never be back in Greece. And yeah. I think both sides are to blame. Uh, I agree. I think it's ridiculous that he's not back in the band. I mean, look, you know, there was a you know long time where they were like all fuck Rob Halford, uh, but ended up bringing him back. But I mean, let's be honest that that was out of fucking necessity. Um, but the fact that he's a not, you know, yeah, he fucked up, but Rob fucked up, and you let him back in. Uh, I, I think he should be there, but he, he doesn't help himself with the constant whining and bitching. And and I think you're absolutely right. I think it's all Jane Andrews, England Tipton behind it. Even though it seems like he keeps pointing out Ian Hill is the one. But I, I, I doubt that. I, I doubt that. I think you hit the nail on the head. Yeah, Matt, or, he's making Ian Hill say that. Yeah. All right. Uh, former Rainbow singer Jolyn Turner performed uh, Rainbow and Deep Purple Classics in Bulgaria. Did he wear and, a wig? No, no, no. They're showing him bald. Good. Uh, but man, what the fuck would this guy do without singing songs he wrote 40 years ago and third world countries? Uh, uh, yeah. Well, what has he done other than Rainbow? That, well, he's 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 actually put out, I mean... No, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. Let me rephrase that. What has he done that's been popular? True, true. Nothing. But uh, to, to me, man, that's got to be kind of a a sad existence for somebody who steadily puts out albums. I mean, he's had he's always putting out an album. I'll give him that. That last but, album, the last album Jolin Turner did, the the metal one. So heavy. Like, it was really good. Heavy. I was shocked how heavy that album is. That little Jolin Turner album, I highly recommend it. See, I'd be pissed. If I go see Joel and Turn, he doesn't play some new song. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you, though. You know, because I, I have it and I haven't listened to it yet. Uh, I mean, I have the guy's full discography and I barely scratched the surface of it. But that's what I was wondering. Is it any good? Because you know me, we always, you know, you, you joke me about it. You know, I hate fucking metal. But I'm like, I'm not going to like something just because it's fucking heavy. And I've heard other reviews of people of the new album, and they said they didn't like it, that it didn't feel 
it felt like he was trying too hard and didn't feel natural or sound natural. But you say it's pretty good, huh? Yeah, I think it's heavy and it uh, it sounds legit to me. It doesn't sound try hard. It was just a shockingly good. That's what I gotta say. Awesome. Well, uh, a band I'm excited to see. Uh, I haven't seen in fucking years. I know you hate uh, Biohazards on tour. They're opening up for Megadeth. Uh, the show's not coming anywhere near me. Uh, but I gotta tell you, I, I, in all honesty, I don't even know if I'd go if it was here. Because Megadeth is, is so fucking horrible live. And and, and not performance-wise, I'm saying, but setless-wise. I always check, man. They they have, like, one of the worst setless around. He still won't drop that, like, Turd Lamont and, and all that fucking shit. They don't play the old shit, so... I don't know if I'd go just to see Biohazard, but I would like to see Biohazard. I don't uh, think I, I don't think the right word is that I hate them. I oh, don't okay. hate Biohazard. I detest them violently. Oh, okay. Okay, well, I'm glad we could. I saw them open for Slayer. Yeah. Uh, the, what was the album after Seasons? Divine Intervention, was that it? Yeah, yeah. It was Biohazard and Machine Head. Okay. Yeah, I knew Machine Head opened up that tour. I didn't know Biohazard. Did yeah, it was it was a three bill, and oh my god, Machine Head was terrible. Biohazard, terrible. And really, stuff. you didn't even like you didn't even like Machine Head back then, huh? Not even Burn My Eyes. No, that's the one. I wow. I hate Machine Head, but I like Burn My Eyes. I like, it. dude, that album to me is bouncy and Pantera light. Like I want to be Pantera all the time. I don't know. I just find I don't know. Maybe if it was someone else. And it wasn't Rob Flynn, let's say some Joe Blow I never heard of. Started machine. Right. I still wouldn't like it, but I wouldn't find it so fucking fake because of Rob Flynn. He's such a phony. It's like yeah. he's all thrashing, godly and violent. Then, you know, the thrash dies down. Oh, now I want to be Pantera. Oh, now yeah. I want to be fucking Lynn Biscuit. You know, it's like, I don't know how people can forgive that guy. Remember, remember, and, and, when he, remember when he came out against Phil, Phil Anselmo? Oh yeah! Oh boy, did he take some shit for that? What a Karen he was for that shit. <laughs> did Did you ever? I mean, you might have been so like fuck him by that point. But did you ever listen to the Blackening? You know what? I have, but the songs were really long on that album, right? Yeah, there, there, there's some lengthy songs. Yeah, I remember hearing it at a friend's house, and eh, it didn't grab me. At least it was a new metal, but it's still. I remember right. Well, well, that's when you know Phil Demo. Well, actually, Phil Demo came back the album before uh, from the ashes. Uh, but I am surprised even that you wouldn't like. But but I kind of sometimes you just get such a like like I'm not even gonna fucking give you a chance. I'll, I'll give anything a chance. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm guilty of that. I mean, there's some shit I'm so like, you've already lost me so much. I don't know if I could listen to it with open fucking ears. Like, you know, well, everybody who sucks the dick of, of that Montrose album. Well, I, 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 I didn't grow up with Montrose. So like when I hear it now, it, it's like all I hear is my arch enemy's voice. So I can't even listen to it with honest ears and say and give it a chance because I'm just like, oh, 
You know, well, and I'm, I'm just wondering I'm, if that's how you are. I'm that way with Def Leppard. I yeah. give Def Leppard another chance. That's oh, a my. Motley Crue. These are bands that don't deserve another chance. Because you know yeah. it's not going to be good. You just yeah. know. There's some bands that just, they're so, they're so done. They're per, way past their expiration date. You know, Motley oh. Crue is a, is a glowing example of that. And I'm not, and I don't hate New Tattoo. I mean, I think most of it is stupid cheese. First band on moon crap. <laughs> but, but I, I like the White Punks on Dope. I like that cover. I like yeah. Fake on that yeah. album. And there was uh, I like the two ballads on the album. But the rap, the fucking uh, Porn Star and uh, Treat Me Like the Dog I Am. I mean, come <laughs> on, dude. I mean, Jesus Christ. All right, you're upsetting Mick Watkins right now. Mick Watkins loves that album, yeah. Um, I feel bad for Mick. All right. Well, next story. And I think uh, this story has a little bit to do with you. Uh, Corey Taylor says, I don't think I'll ever be uh, a truly peaceful person. And I think it's because he's watched your reviews of Slipknot. <laughs> and yeah. that makes me happy. Seriously. I, and the guy's not a bad singer because I remember when Chris Cornell died, he did a version of yeah. that was really good. But mm-hmm. man, somebody paid for me to do the first two Slipknot albums. And those are the right. two everybody says are the best ones. Iowa or whatever was the one before. Yeah, the self, self-titled in Iowa. It was hands down the worst thing I ever heard in my life. It's not only noisy new metal crap, but then they throw in these little sections of boy bands. Like boy bands sounding shit. <laughs> I was like, man. And all I can think of, man, is that, you know, this society is so fucked up that where there were a lot of kids molested that are fans of Slipknot today. <laughs> yeah, by their fathers who listen to corn. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and, and the funny thing is, uh, as somebody, like, I've only heard the, the two albums you had to review, those are the only Slipknot albums I ever bought or heard in their entirety. Uh, but I know it got much worse after that because it got uh, lighter and more commercial. Uh, so consider yourself lucky because it, if you thought that sucked, everything after Iowa is a thousand times worse. I mean, a thousand times worse, you know. Imagine, um, you, you know, what you hate about it, but add like a little, you know, Lincoln Park and stain to it. Yeah, it gets fucking worse. Well, I don't know, man. I mean, yeah, I, I'm sure it'll be like the worst thing I've heard in my life, but worse? Yeah, worse. Trust me. Just tr- trust me. I hope you don't have to find out. I uh, really yeah, hope I, uh, I, Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know I, I feel bad like I shouldn't even say this because there's somebody who will see this or listen to this and they'll be like, oh, I know what I'm paying Ralph to do now. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Yeah, I'll send uh, this money back if it ain't good money. <laughs> there you go. All right, well, here's something that's got to warm your heart because I know you hate this son of a bitch and so do I. But uh, Yan Winner, Werner, however the fuck oh, yeah. you pronounce his I heard, name. I heard about this. Yeah, so he's gotten removed 
from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame board uh, that he created uh, after comments that he made about black and female musicians uh, not being articulate. Uh, and the funny thing is, he just released a new book called The Masters. <laughs> you know, in this politically correct day and age we live in, probably isn't a good thing to call it, but it was his opinion of, you know, who are the masters of music. And um, uh, so he was, uh, in an interview, you know, they mentioned, you know, well, you don't really interview, you know, any female musicians or black musicians. And he basically said, you know, they're not articulate, <laughs> you know, basically, like they can't hold a conversation. They're not that fucking smart. So, you know, in, in this like woke era of political correctness, uh, <laughs> you know, probably the worst thing he can say and the backlash to this has been incredible. And as much as I'm a hate, you know, I hate this cancel culture bullshit and everything. It couldn't happen to a better fucking asshole, you know. Yeah, this guy I, is a total piece of shit. Uh, he's he's a fucking elitist, you know. You know he's the reason you know Jackson Brown is in the fucking Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but not Thin Lizzy. Yeah. You know, there's so many bands that he's had a personal agenda against. You know, one of them, uh, you know, whether you think they belong there, not Journey. He, he, you know, he's gone on record and saying that that you know, as long as I live and breathe, a band like Journey will never make it in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And, and, and regardless of what you think of Journey, just to know that the person in charge, you know, is, you know, it comes down to his personal opinion. And uh, I love that there was a guy that was fired from um, from Rolling Stone when he was still in charge. He's no longer involved with Rolling Stone. He's, he's sold off all his uh, interests and stuff like that. Not that the magazines aren't good anymore anyway, but... Uh, there was a journalist who was fired for giving a bad review to Hootie and the Blowfish. What? And yeah, yeah, and he was a guy who wrote for Rolling Stone for you know a, a long amount of time. And uh, <laughs> they, I love it. they interviewed the guy and they said like, why is he? Is it because he's such a huge Hootie and the Blowfish fan? And he basically said, Jan's a fan of anybody who sells eight million records. Oh. So, you know, it got to the point, which is funny because, you know, a band like Journey, you know, sold tons of records, but he didn't deem them worthy. But, you know, as he went on later, it's like, whatever, he'll sell the fucking magazine. I don't give a shit. So I love seeing it come back to this fucking asshole, you know, and I, I love seeing I mean, it doesn't matter. The guy's worth like $600 million. Yeah, he's not gonna, Yeah, he's not going to go broke, okay? He's not going to be out on the streets because of this. But I love that he has kicked off the board, and I'm curious to see what that changes, if anything, for the better or worse for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I, I know none of us look at it like it's anything that, you know, that matters to us or we have to validate. But It, uh, it doesn't matter, but no matter what you think of the man, like what he did in the 70s to the early 80s, Ted Nugent more than deserved to be in there. I mean, his music was... No different than Aerosmith and all these killer 70s rock bands, but it's his political agenda yeah. that keeps him out of the place, which is, yeah. if he was a bleeding heart liberal, he'd be in there. Yeah. And that's the thing, as much as I detest Ted Nugent, I love his fucking music, and yes, he totally deserves it. And there's a lot of other uh, 
artists that deserve it. And what I hate is, you know, on the flip side of what he said, there's so many artists who get in there strictly because, you know, uh, of the color of their skin or because it's a politically correct thing, you know? So it, it's such a fucking sham. I don't know if just him being removed is going to correct that, but uh, it, it's still great to see it happen because now basically, I mean, again, he's not going to go broke, but he has no power. You know, he doesn't work at Rolling Stone and now he's no longer on the board. We'll, you know, we'll just have to watch and see if any real changes come to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but I'm all for it. I am love seeing a, a you know, shithead like that go down in flames, even if I don't agree with, you know, the cancel culture shit, you know. What he said was fucked up and he deserves everything he gets. Oh yeah, you know what? Sometimes cancel culture is good. Like when it happens to Young Winter and Sharon Osbourne. That's what I'm like, yeah, stay woke. Yeah, fuck yeah. Cancel culture rules when it comes to those two jackasses. Sorry, right, wait, sorry. Well, let, let me fill my glass. I can still hear you while I go okay. to uh, What I would say with that is it's a double-edged sword. Uh, it's kind of like a free speech thing. Uh, you know, everybody's for free speech when you agree with it. But, you know, it, it's hard to stay with free speech when it's it's something you're totally against so uh fuck it as much as i i think being canceled stupid uh hey as long as people are getting canceled yeah yeah i think it's funny it happens to a douchebag like that uh let's see max and igor cavalera are out on tour right now as cavalera not the cavalera conspiracy but just cavalera and uh, they're performing songs from Morbid Devastation and what the fuck's the other one? Uh, shit, let me click on the fucking story because Ralph's not here to help me out. Uh, let's see, what is it? Yeah, uh, Bestial Devastation and Morbid Visions. Uh, I think they're pretty good. I listened to them. I think I talked about this on a previous episode. Uh, I think it so- sounds good with, you know, modern production and shit like that much better than the originals uh way too raw for me i mean i'm sure there's like some fucking metalheads like oh yeah it should sound like it was recording in tin can but i think it sounds much better uh the way it is now even though i wish it was with you know the original guys and not just two cavaleras but i'll take it i saw yeah i saw the cavalera conspiracy not too long ago and it was awesome Oh, yeah. And, and that's another band that I think, you know, uh, Soulfly, you know, a lot of people hated those first, you know, I would say at least the first three albums were very new metal. But after that, uh, he really went to old school thrash, man. And a lot of those Soulfly albums are amazing, especially the ones with uh, Marco Rizzo on guitar. That dude's a fucking beast. But the damage was already done. He was already seen as like, you know, hip-hop new metal boy uh you know so a lot of people won't give it a chance uh, i think it's unfair but i also think the same thing about uh sepulture with Derek green you know i the first couple albums even though i enjoy them there's a lot of new metal shit but you listen to the newer ones it's straight up fucking thrash but nobody will give it a chance because it's not max all right, well, something that has to do with uh, our episode today, Judas Priest. Tim Ripper Owens believes there should be a special concert featuring current and former members. Uh, 
I bet he does. <laughs> of course, I bet he does. Page that will be nice. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the funny thing is, when we were originally, you know, we thought we were doing uh, Sad Wings of Destiny, I got done early doing my notes and everything, and I was like, you know what? Let me listen to some fucking Ripper shit. And I knew better than to give Domination another chance. I'm like, let me give Jugulator another chance. And I definitely like it more than you, Ralph. Uh, yeah, it, it's not on par with the other shit, but man, I, I think it's kind of heavy. And I like Ripper, but I haven't heard too much after that that I care about. Um, you know, and he's been very vocal about, you know, Priest should be playing songs from his era. You know, particularly when, you know, they're doing the 50th anniversary tour. Uh, how do you feel about that? Do you feel like they should acknowledge that era? Or are you totally fine with them just doing the Rob Halford shit? I'm fine with them doing the Rob Halford shit. But uh, as far as, like, they should release Jugulator and Demolition, you know, to the people that like it. Right. They should avoid the albums. But yeah, they should avoid playing that live because Judas Priest is so much superior with Rob Alford over any of those two albums. I don't care what songs are in any of those two albums. Rob Alford, and Rob Alford can't sing Cathedral Spires and shit like that. You know, so it's better that they do avoid the Ripper era. But they should release those for the Ripper era fans out there. And there's well, quite a few. Well, the, the thing is, I mean, it was very fucking expensive. But if you bought the 50th anniversary box set, it did include all the Ripper albums. On vinyl? It, uh, I don't know if that box set was even released on vinyl. Because, uh, I, I mean, it was like, I mean, it was like a 32 disc set. Actually, I just got done loading it in my iTunes today. And I had to, like, number everything because I wanted to put it in one collection. 422 fucking songs that had to go in there and iTunes and fucking like number everything and shit. But both Ripper studio albums were in there. Both Ripper live albums were in there. So, uh, you know, if you bought it, like again, I don't know if there was a vinyl version. There could be. But I know the CD version, you could get those. Um, but I thought in this article that, that Ripper brought up a good point. I think it would be awesome to see uh Hawford sing some of those songs and and see how they translate because I was a much bigger fan you know when when Maiden got back together and you know Steve Harris his ego you know had you know they had to do the Blaze shit with fucking Dickinson and Dickinson's credit he did it and I think those songs sound a fucking gazillion times better with Dickinson you know when he does Klansman or uh you know what's the other the one he does off of X Factor? Sign of the uh, Cross. Yes, uh, Sign of the Cross. I could actually appreciate those songs where I couldn't with Blaze. You know, uh, so I would like to hear his take on something like that. Now, yeah, maybe he can't do Cathedral Spires, but I would love to hear him try Bullet Train or something. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it strictly comes down to uh, you know Hawford just like no, I can do it. Just like Vince is never going to do fucking, you know, anything off of 94. So. That'd be even worse than Alfred trying to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that'd be bad. That'd be bad. Uh, Striper's Michael Sweet says, 
tuning down has helped me a lot to get through sets. And uh, I, I gotta say, I, I, you know, I think Striper sucks donkey. But I love that he's transparent with that and admits that, you know, he's gotten older and had issues and uh, he doesn't try to hide the fact. And, uh, you know, a lot of bands do it, but not a lot of bands talk about it. So I give him uh, props for that. And you've seen him recently. Um, you know, how do you think he sounds? Do, do, the, do the songs still sound good? Like drop down a little bit or, or are you left disappointed on some of the... I'm really I'm really bad at noticing if bands play, you know, tuned down or whatever. Uh, right. Which, uh, just a side note, there was a time where my band tuned high and yeah. I didn't even notice, but I sat <laughs> higher. The whole set, my voice was ah. like, God damn, that was a hard set to do. Not knowing that they were playing higher and I had a thing, I, I, I didn't even notice, you know? But anyway, going back to, when I saw Striper like a year or two ago, they were great. I don't know if they were playing lower, they must have. The one thing I can say is that Michael Sweet wasn't hitting the highs every time. Yeah. But it, it still sounded good, but then when he would then when he would hit the highs, it was whoa, the guy could still do it, you know? Yeah. He just can't do it all night. So yeah, he, uh, they were great. Striker was awesome. Uh, they played really good, and uh, Michael hit some high notes, and sometimes he did. Okay. All right. Well, next story. Uh, going back to band we already talked about, Mudvayne. Uh, Chad Gray celebrates two years of sobriety. And I don't think we've ever talked more about Mudvayne than we have on this show. I know. I know. But I. I I'm sorry. I can't stand this, you know, celebrate your years of fucking sobriety. That's like, oh, I haven't beat my wife since the last time I hit her. <laughs> you know, who gives a shit? I'm, I, I am ashamed of my sobriety that I don't talk about it. And that <laughs> exactly. Is, and that is a very sad day, the day that I became sober. It's yeah. a day that I don't want to think of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you shouldn't be proud of shit like that. Like, hey, I can't hold my liquor. I haven't been able to hold my liquor for two years. Who gives a fuck? Well, I mean, in, in, in the Mudbane guy's defense, he ain't no Nikki Six. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That guy every 10 minutes has to talk about his sobriety. His, yeah. his fake sobriety. I'm sure yeah. Mudbane, the guy actually got loaded. You know? <laughs> yeah, but the guy from Mudbane never died. The only needle was brought back to life. The only needle that Nikki Six ever had of him was one of his male groupies uh, putting <laughs> his needle up his ass. Fuck, I can't stand Nikki Six. I can't yeah. stand it. You yeah. know, you know, okay. this is a future story that's going to be on my on my almost human thing. He came out and said, "Warrant and Poison." They they played music that just killed them, and I'm thinking. Listen to the album Dr. Feelgood and tell me if that's any more different than what Poison and Warrant were doing at that <laughs> yeah. same time, by the way. Yeah, yeah. listen to Time for a Change, you piece of shit. Cherry Pie, open up and say ah, and, yeah. and, and Dr. Feelgood all sound like the same fucking album. Yeah. I actually like fucking some of that shit better than Molly Cooper. They fucking suck. Dr. Feelgood is so bad. Yeah. 
horrible album. She goes down. She goes down, down, down. How is that different than Poison? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, it's, it's not. Worse. Yeah, exactly. You know, at least Poison says take it outside and do some funny shit. These idiots think they're serious. <laughs> All right, well, next story. Megadeth plays third concert with new touring guitarist Timu Mantisari. Sorry if I mispronounce that. Uh, I'm kind of surprised when I first saw this, uh, you know, announcement that uh, fucking Cuckoo or Kiku or whatever the fuck his name is. Cuckoo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Cuckoo uh, wasn't playing the, the tour. Uh, I kind of thought they might get Marty, you know, with the, you know these Marty appearances. Uh, but uh, probably Megadeth doesn't have the money to get him to come back. But I, I'm kind of curious, like, where it goes from here, you know? Uh, you're seeing all these uh, interviews where he's talking about how special it was to play with Marty and all this shit. Uh, I'm wondering what the long-term solution is going to be, or if you know Cuckoo's going to come back. What do you think? Cuckoo. <laughs> Cuckoo. <laughs> I, you know what? And I just recently saw Megadeth. It's all right. It's not. I don't know, man. I mean, maybe it's my age, but. That last Megadeth album, yeah, it had its moments, it's fast, it's raw, but it comes and goes. Dystopia, same thing. It was good, but then I just stopped listening to it. And whenever yeah. I listen to Megadeth, it's Peace Out. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's my go-to album. That shit will never be touched by any other band because that was a band with insane musicians on heroin. And you yes. can't do that no more. You get Gar Samuelson smacked out, and and Chris Poland stealing amps to get heroin. That was the band they had back then, man, and they were fucking awesome. Never ever, and I I'm so happy that I got to see Megadeth that lineup two nights on the Peace Cell tour two nights. So happy I got to see it. That band was insane. The speed, precision. By so far, so good, so what? They were a little too fucked up at that show, you know? Yeah. And uh, then they got sobered up and Rust in Peace was great and all, but go back to the drugs, man, which you can't go back to because the drummer's dead, you know? But if they had that fucking lineup back, get them in a room, shoot them up with fucking smack and make them write an album, man. That is Megadeth to me. And everything after is a pale comparison. Even Rust in Peace. I know many claim it's their best album. A little too polished, but I will say I do love the album. But give me yeah. Killing is My Business and Peace Cells over that any day. Thank you. Yeah. Nah, you're lucky, man. I, I Unfortunately, I missed the uh, Peace Cells lineup by one day. I saw the first date where Tesla took over opening up for Alice Cooper, so I didn't get to see him until uh, it, it was the Rust and Peace lineup, but it was actually like the tour for uh, Countdown, but it was before Countdown came out, I believe. Uh, yeah, because they still had like even the, the drum set and everything, it was still like the backdrop, everything was still uh, uh, Rust and Peace. They didn't have like the new shit yet, so... And yeah, they're they're one of the most horrible bands live set wise. I think if you're a oh, mega, yeah, the, 
Yeah, the last time I saw him, the set list was a drag. Yeah. You know, Holy Wars and Tornado Souls was like the highlight. They didn't do Wake Up Dead. They didn't do nothing for yeah. himself. You know? Yeah. I'm sick of Hangar 18. They opened with that. I never really liked that. I like the way that song ends with Marty yeah. and Nick going back and forth. But everything before that sounds a little too offspring. The offspring. You gotta keep them separated. <laughs> Not my shit, man. I yeah. love Holy War. I, that's like, actually, Peace Soul is my favorite album, but Holy War to me is the best me uh, Megadeth song ever. That song yeah. is old. So I love seeing them do that. What else did they play? You know, but then they play like Sweating Bullets, Symphony of Destruction, Trust. I hate that fucking song. They did oh, yeah. Trust. That shit sucked. Oh, yeah. I don't think there's been a show uh, since that song's come out that they haven't done it because it was a fucking radio hit. And the other one that they keep doing now, and I know you like it, and I don't get it, is fucking She-Wolf. Which no, I think no, that song's... They didn't do that. No, well, I think this is the first tour since it's came out that they haven't done it. And I'm like, really? That's that's the deep track you bring out? Uh, yeah, fuck them. Fuck em. All right, well, a band we do love, Ben Lizzy, is putting out a 50th anniversary super deluxe edition of Vagabonds of the Western World. Oh, very uh, cool. That's awesome. Yeah, man, and it's fucking... It's fucking stacked. I got to get that. It's, uh, let me look and see here what they got. Uh, I think it's, let's see, how many CDs? It's a three CD set with a Blu-ray. And I'm not sure how many vinyls, but a, a, a lot of shit with it. So that's awesome. Not my favorite Thin Lizzy, but it is a good Thin Lizzy. What's that? not my favorite either but it's good oh yeah yeah you know and that's the one uh whiskey in the jar which i don't think was like originally no it's uh, not on that album it was a single right a single around that time but no it's a you know hero and the madman is a, a classic track uh you know the one i'm really you know wait i would love a deluxe edition of johnny the fox oh yeah that would be fucking amazing but uh no, I think it's awesome. Uh, anytime you get more Thin Lizzy, I'm all for that. Yeah, Thin Lizzy. Really, my least favorite Thin Lizzy is Chinatown. If they release a box set of Chinatown, I'm buying it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I hear you. I hear you. I'm the same way. I'm not like a I would... Chinatown. Great album. Yeah. Couple good songs. Like I can name like three three songs on there. I like the rest are kind of like throwaways. Yeah. But people love that album, man. People love it more than Renegade, which was the same lineup. Man, Renegade is like my second favorite Thin Lizzy album of all. Oh, yeah. I it's, love Renegade. Renegade is so underrated. I, the, Chinatown is more like. And I think it has a lot to do with that album cover. I, I, I tell you, the one that people like usually say is their favorite, and there's songs that I like, but overall, Black Rose. I'm not the hugest Black Rose fan. That's that's my favorite. My favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not my not my. I'll take Bad Reputation over that. I'll take Johnny the Fox. I'll take uh, fucking what was uh, Jailbreak. Uh, I take Renegade over that. I take Thunder and Lightning over it. But you know, there's there's some good shit on it. I just don't. 
you know, the title track that everybody loves. I'm like, eh. But then again, I don't like Emerald either, and everybody loves that fucking song. So I got uh, I'm, a, I'm a self-hating Irishman. I gotta give it up from Black Roses. I, I, my favorite song on Black Roses is probably Sarah. Love it. Yeah. I mean, it's all right, but I love it. The little, the little pussy ballad. I'm surprised you like it. Yeah. No, I, 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 think I, I have nothing bad to say about it. Got to get it up. Waiting for an alibi. Yeah, I like those. I like those. Uh, I can't stand the title track though. Can't stand Black Rose. The song. If love is an awesome song. Uh, Toughest street in town. Did that whole album? I, I think every song on there is a winner. Yeah. John Winter hates that album. <laughs> All right, well, here's something I think everybody can agree upon. Uh, Richie Sambora says there's a demand for his return to Bon Jovi. There's a demand for his voice in Bon Jovi. <laughs> John can't sing no more. Oh, yeah, that shit's bad. That just, I, I wish people would give, like, John Bon Jovi as much shit as they give Dave for not, or Vince Neil for not singing, you know. Come on. Anybody you know, who heard clips of that last Bon Jovi tour, whoo! You know, it's the funniest shit ever, and I don't know if you saw this, but a couple months ago, they got footage of Vince Neil lip-syncing. And oh, I'll, yeah? Wait a second, that's a tape? Couldn't they get a better tape? <laughs> <laughs> I swear they got, they busted Vince Neil singing that horrible <laughs> voice. That horrible voice. <laughs> People are goofing on Vince Neil. No, actually, it's the tape. That's <laughs> making Vince look bad. Oh, you know, it's, it's crazy because you think about this. Vince Neil is out there touring stadiums with Motley Crue. The second they get off the stage, they get off the road for a little bit, there's Vince Neil playing some solo shows. And Vince Neil makes, I shit you not, I saw this $40,000 a gig. Alone Good for him, $40,000 a game. He's underpaid. He is underpaid. I I want to see Vince Neil make a million dollars a show because that's what people who pay to go see that deserve. They should be paying twice the ticket price for that county fair to go see Vince Neil because if that's what you'll spend your money on, you fucking deserve to get fucked right up the fucking ass. Sorry, Dick Twalkin. Sorry, Johnny Bogan. You guys deserve that shit. Even the great, great fucking Charlie. God damn it. Charlie Hill. He paid to go see that fucking shit. I'm sorry. I don't deserve all the shit you bought me, and Rob doesn't deserve all the shit you bought him, but you deserve to go bankrupt paying money to go see Vince Neil these days. Charlie Hill just saw Guns N' Roses yesterday. He sent me video on the phone. Poor bastard. He went Poor to the Oscar Card Lot. Oh. That wasn't cheap. I don't know. Maybe Charlie got a break. But I remember looking at tickets. Because I wouldn't, I would go see Guns N' Roses for like 30 bucks. Why not? You know, 30 bucks. Yeah. But they yeah. were out for 800, 900. Like yeah. Perhaps I wouldn't pay that. That's <laughs> shit. Yeah, they're playing perhaps on the show. They should, oh, God. They should not money off the tickets for them playing <laughs> yeah yeah you should get a discount because they're playing perhaps <laughs> oh 
That shit's terrible. That shit. That shit sound like it was off of Sonic Boom. That's fucking horrible. <laughs> uh, Culture Club's Boyd George attended a Napalm Death concert in Australia and said his ears are still ringing. Yeah, which, I, I saw the article. He did like them, though. Yeah, which, which, which further proves my point that Napalm Death are gay. <laughs> Napalm Death are awesome, dude. Oh, man. I, I don't know. Maybe I, I need to hear more. I heard a couple songs. like, no. Well, I got to be honest. I'm, I'm a Napalm Death poser because I'm not into the Rico Pica faction. No, that, I'm sorry. That's Carcass. Um, but I'm not into that early Napalm Death where it's like that grindcore shit. Yeah. You know, I, I opened for Napalm Death. And, you know, there's a, there's a very cult band from down here called the Hellwitch. Hellwitch goes yeah. all the way back to the first time I ever saw Hellwitch. They opened for Anthrax on the Spread the Disease Tour. That's the first time I ever heard about this band. This band is still around today. Well, they played with us and Napalm Death. It was Napalm Death, Hellwitch, and Fractured Eyes. And Barney, singer of Napalm Death, goes up on stage going, I can't believe I'm sharing the stage with Hellwitch. <laughs> it was like, he was aware of Hellwitch. He thought Hellwitch was godly. Yeah. yeah, he should have thanked you. He should have thanked you. Oh, hell with you. Uh, and, and plus, I, I'm also convinced that Napalm Death and Carcass are the same shit fan. I, I'm, I'm, I can't get I, I, that core grind stuff. And that they, yeah. they both started that same way. And, <laughs> like I liked, I liked Carcass with Heartwork. And, and all my band members were like, you're gay, you're gay. It's like, it's all about Rika Fuka faction. And all. I was like, Dude, that shit's just noise to me. Uh, even though, you know, hard work is not, you know, actually mellow or anything. It's pretty dirty and heavy, but it's nothing like that. Shit they did. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. To, to me, that's just some poser shit that's like, I'm so hardcore, I can listen to this complete fucking noise. That's what it sounds like to me. Sorry, maybe uh, I'm a fucking uh, poser. Dude, I'm telling you, my, 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 my old band, like Willie. He's into this band called Beheret. Yeah. You probably never heard of Beheret. Dude, this no. band is so fucking horrible. I mean, they make fucking uh, Napalm Death and Carcass sound like fucking, you know, like like uh, Green Day. You know, it's like they are so bad. And what's even more bizarre about this band, it's like Willie's into Beheret. And I'm, every time he plays Beheret, I'm like, oh. well, Beheret became a techno band. Yeah. From this disgusting metal to all the one to fucking the ultimate sellout. You be a techno fan. Willie liked that shit too. I was like, dude, that's what the fuck, man? That's so weird, man. They both don't sound anything alike. Anyway, be Harris sucks. Yeah, but I mean that's not a ringing endorsement. I mean I mean I know Willie and he's into shit that's not even legal in the Dominican Republic, so <laughs> you know. Uh no. I'll pass. I'll pass. I'd rather spend $18 million on Foreigner on their farewell oh. tour. You saw, I, I did a, I did, a I, I did see your video on that, and uh, and that's, that's kind of crazy. I mean, the crazy thing is, I don't even know, is is $18 million good on a tour nowadays? I think so. For a band you know? that has no original members? I think yeah. that's fucking... 
like the most successful cover band in the history of the world. Well, the the the, the funny thing is, I'm thinking is like how much that money does does Scab Forder see, or does this all go in uh, Mick Jones' pocket? Yeah, you, you know what? You know what? You you could have a point there, but you eliminate all that shit. A cover band made might yeah. it made 18 million on the first life. It still got another leg to go. Yeah, and, and I saw a fake foreigner, and to tell you the truth, I was so drunk, I don't know if Mick Jones was at the show I was at or not. I want to say he was, but I'm not 100%, and if he was, it might have been like one or two songs. Uh, I liked it. You know, it was a cover band. They played the songs I wanted to hear. You know, they had a good saxophone player for Urgent, so I was happy. You know, <laughs> but yeah, I mean... It is a cover band, but that that shows you how hard up you know people are right now. Like they'll spend all that money to go see that. It's not that know. people are hard up; people are clueless. You yeah. know how many people go see a foreigner show and they think they're looking at all original members? They don't yeah, know who, true. who who is. You know, it's just like Kiss, dude. I'm telling you, like there's this story I heard on some Kiss podcast. That this dude went to a KISS show. And the guy mm-hmm. sitting next to him, they got to talking. And the guy sitting next to him said, dude, I met Ace Frehley. Yes. Takes out his phone, shows up a picture of him with Tommy Faye. Yes, I love that. Yeah, it, it, But that shows you the type of people that go see KISS think they're looking at Ace Frehley and Peter Chris. And on top of that, they don't even know their names. They don't even know, they probably know Gene's name. But they don't know Paul. Ace and Peter, but they know in that makeup that must be them. You know? Yeah. They, they probably say Ace played on Creatures of the Night because he's on the album cover. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but then later on, they, they rectified and put Bruce on the cover. Yeah, I, I know. That's a point I was just going to say. And then there's another guy who fights with him. No, the cover I had had Bruce. Bruce played on that. Bruce is overrated. <laughs> What's that? Bruce is overrated. Well, you know, he did play the greatest, you know, Kiss guitar solo ever on Tears Are Falling. <laughs> yeah, it was very impressive how he did that solo coming out of water. Yeah, see? Yeah. All right, next story. Now, here's a song I saw a lot of hate for. Keep talking, and... I'm my glass. Okay. Uh, a song I heard a lot of hate for online. And I didn't hate it. I had some issues with the production. And it doesn't surprise me when I found out how the producer was. But uh, the Stones released the single Angry off their new, uh, soon-to-be-released Acme Diamonds. Acme Diamonds. Um, I thought it was all right, you know. Uh, you know, I saw a post of it. was like, yeah, it sounds like the, you know, all the shit they put out since Steel, Steel Wheels. And I kind of get that. But I didn't think it was offensive. I saw, I saw Eddie Canastracci. Can we say Eddie Canastracci? I don't know. I'm saying Eddie Canastracci. Uh, he hated it. Um, I didn't hate it. You know, wasn't fantastic. Uh, you can tell, like, Charlie's missing. And it was a little bit too polished production. I shouldn't say a little bit, a lot of it. Andrew Watt, you know. He did those last two fucking Ozzy horrible fucking albums. Uh, that I thought sounded like shit. But he also did uh, the last Iggy Pop album, which I thought was pretty good. I mean, it was more 
of a commercial Iggy album, but I didn't think the production was was horrible. I thought much better than you know the other shit that I've heard uh, that Andrew Watts produced. You know, I love Andrew Watts' guitar playing on California Breed. Uh, you know, I think that's a lost classic. People need to check out. You know, Glenn Hughes and Jason Bonham. Uh, you know, and I thought his guitar playing was really good on that. But now he's like a pop producer, and he's like the new Rick Rubin almost, like the in demand. Uh, but sterile production, but not a horrible song. Uh, we'll see what the rest of the album sounds like. You know, a lot of people bitching about, you know, guests on the album. I, I don't know. It, it, I'll just have to listen to it. I'm glad Bill Wyman's on it. I'm glad Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr are on it. Bill Wyman's on it? Yeah, I believe at, at least one track, maybe two, uh, Bill Wyman plays on. Um, and I think, I could be wrong, but I think at least one or two of them is the track where they're actually using Charlie Watts uh, drumming, too which would be great. Yeah, I, I think I, I saw the press conference and they said that, you know, uh, you know, four of the original members are on this track, you know, not counting um, uh, Ronnie Jones. Ronnie, R- R- Ronnie Wood. Um, but yeah, uh, Paul McCartney's on it, Ringo's on it, but I don't believe they are on the same song. Well, which is kind of, Yeah, that does suck. Uh, Lady Gaga, who regardless of what I think about her pop music, I think does have a good voice. Stevie Wonder's on it. I think that's awesome. And Elton John's on it, you know, which is funny because, you know, there's been historical war words between Elton John and, and Keith Richards. So that's kind of cool. But I'm sure, like, if Elton's on it, it's just like playing piano. But, you know, I'm cool with that. I'll, I'll say my reservations for when I hear the record. I thought the last one that they put out, the last... Uh, studio album of original material, Bigger Bang. I, I thought it was a solid album. Yeah, it was way too long, but uh, I thought it was their best since, you know, Voodoo Lounge or maybe Undercover. I'll tell you one of the greatest Rolling Stone songs ever is a recent one. Well, recent, like the last 20 years. was yeah. one of those greatest hit albums, a song called Doom and Gloom. Yeah, yeah, I like that oh. one. That song is one of my fa- all-time favorite Rolling Stone songs, and it's very big yeah. your career. But that's yeah. awesome. The video's awesome too because yeah, shit's walking around, and you can see it on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a that's a that's a good one. I liked it. And I and uh, I like this new one. I liked it. I thought yeah. it was really cool. I was like, yeah. nothing wrong with this song. I I didn't hate. I love the video. I thought the yeah. video was really neat. The video was awesome with the billboards and shit. Yeah, yeah, no, I dug it. I, I dug thought it. the song, I thought the song was rocking. But what did you like more? The new Stone song or the new solo single from Derek Smalls? I haven't Must heard it. Must Crush Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard it. Uh, it was eh. It was eh. I love Spinal Tap. Uh, yeah, but you know, that last thing he did solo wasn't that good. Yeah, it, this is on par with that. It's not that great. It's not that funny. I, I wish, you know, they were all involved, but I don't know how funny they're being. Well, wait, wait, wasn't there supposed to be a sequel? Yeah, there's a new movie coming out. I, I don't know the status on that. I don't know if it actually started filming or if that's all fucked up because of the writers and actors strike. 
uh, uh, yeah, they, they didn't really say anything in the new, uh, you know, in, in the uh, article on the song about that. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. Hope for the best. Expect the worst. I have a movie review. Yeah? My niece got free tickets to go see this movie called The Haunting of Venice, I think. Yeah, that's the new, uh, yeah, Agatha Christie. uh, Yeah. uh, yeah, With Tina Fey. Yeah. Did you like it? Yeah, I, I did like it, though it's not the type of movie I would like. It's one of those murder mystery movies. Yeah, yeah, it's an Agatha, It's based on Agatha Christie. Yeah, and it was, you know, it was all right. But yeah. anybody into murder mystery, I think, would really like it. More than yeah. I uh, my, my, my wife loves those. This is the third one that Kenneth Braun has done, uh, playing Hercule Perot or whatever. Uh, you know, he did a remake of uh, Murder on the Orient Express and... Uh, what was the other one? Uh, Death in the Nile. But, uh, yeah, I'll check it out. It was alright. But, uh, I'm gonna take a hot steaming piss. You keep Stop everybody me. company. Keep and then talking. I got... I got really good news when we get back. Alright, I'll keep talking. Alright. Right. So I won't have to edit this show. Sure. So, as you can see, we're doing the video. Oh, those that are on Podbeam, as you can hear... Uh, I'm gonna keep talking while Ian takes a piss break. Where in the past I would just edit that out, but I've become very lazy, and with good reason because editing these shows, I've been doing for what eight years or something. It's like, man, I don't want to edit no more. On the Podbean version, you'll hear music under me. On this version on YouTube, you won't because of copyright stuff. We play music under us, and they'll. They'll ban the video, or you know, just restrict it. Bunch of hoo hoo So this is fun uh, for those that just tuning in. Well, what are you doing tuning in so late in the show? You probably heard everything we said before about the Patreon. I really hope uh, you people join us next Saturday. It'll be a hoot, man. And I'll have a review because I'm going to go see Glenn Hughes next Friday. Glenn Hughes and Ingve. We're going to go see that. I'm so excited. Uh, one of my favorite bands that I've never, ever seen before is playing this little this little bar that I go to to see a cover band made of metal. The band Satan is coming. And Satan! I, I freaked out. I was like, what? Satan is playing Pipers? Oh, I'm so there. So there you go. All right, I just talked all the time, so I don't have to fucking edit this show. Either. All right, good for you. All right, Satan. Uh, good news I got. Motorhead is putting out a 40th anniversary uh, deluxe reissue of Another Perfect Day. Hell yeah! Now I want to say before you get into this. Okay. All the songs on there, I own. I own. I have a Motorhead box set called Meltdown. Yeah, it's a CD box set with this really unattractive girl on the cover. I don't know why they they hired her on the cover, but I saw the track listing. All those live songs are on that box set. But dude, that show they did with Robbo is awesome, and they're putting it out on vinyl on this version. So it's like, dude, 
I need to get it, you know? So, you know, oh, Rob yeah. is infamous of not wanting to play. For some reason, like, he liked Iron Fist, I guess. Because they didn't play nothing before Iron Fist. I don't. Oh, yeah, they played Chase is Better Than the Cat. But they don't play yeah. Spades and, you know, a lot of the classic We Are the Road Crew, none of that. When Robbo was in the band, it was all, it was all another perfect day stuff and, you know, scattered Iron Fist stuff. But, oh, I'm so excited about this. I'm so happy this is coming out. I bought the Iron Fist box set. Right. Well, what I like about it is, I, I found this with a lot of reissues lately, is when they add live shows, there's shows that I've had bootlegs of, but the quality is so much better. You know, they, they've cleaned it up. It's much, you know, much yeah, crisper like, sounding. It's so like, it's like those Black Sabbath box sets. Those. Oh, yeah. Really, oh, yeah. I, they clean up those live shows. Yeah. A, a lot of those uh, Black Sabbaths. After I got those, I went through. It's like, oh, I have a bootleg of this show. And after I heard the one that's on the deluxe, I like deleted the other one that I had. Like, why? Why keep that shit quality? That's something I've, I've kind of, you know, really scaled back on. I used to get like a ton of bootlegs and and without even listening to them. I'm just like, oh, I got to have this. I got to have that, you know. And then when I'd go and listen to it, it's like, I would never listen to this shit. You know, it's, it's like, uh, I felt like a hoarder. Like, why do I have this just to have it? The sound quality is shit. I would never just sit down and listen to something that sounded this shitty. Uh so yeah, I'm excited to hear it. The only thing I didn't like is uh, I saw like all the merch they had for this new 40th anniversary, and they've got a shirt which, to me, that's one of the best album covers they ever did. It was another perfect day. But I don't know if you saw the T-shirt. No. Uh, that you can get with it looks terrible. It looks fucking. It looks so like pixelated and like looks nothing to me like the album cover. I was really disappointed in that because I'd love to have another perfect day t-shirt but the one they put out uh, it looks like fucking ass you ever notice what's coming out of the mouth of another perfect day album cover mm. i'd have to look i mean i know i know sacrifice has the ding dong for the tongue so this uh, another perfect day let me look all albums have ding dong i believe sacrifice has like a dog's dick yeah, well, this one, I, I'm looking at it right now, and I don't know if I ever noticed this. It looks like uh, it's one dick. Right? Okay, well, maybe they changed it for this one, because it looks like two, like, two dicks, but not yeah. dicks. It almost looks like two clits. Yeah, okay, then that's the one. That or, I, or, or it looks, it, it does kind of look like two dogs' dicks, because you kind of yeah, see, like, what, some, That's what it trim. is. Two dogs okay. on that, and sacrifice it one penis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it sounds like it left a fucking joke. Two dog dicks, one penis. Walk into a bar. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that, man. Uh, that, that's one of those things, you know, a lot of bands do this reissue shit and they really offer nothing new. Uh, they put that it's remastered on there, but you're, you're hard pressed to tell like difference. Maybe it's just like, uh, you know, cleaned up. Sometimes it's cleaned up too much. So I'm hoping it's kick ass. Uh, another one, we'll see how it sounds. Uh, Led Zeppelin. 
uh, 4 is coming out on crystal clear vinyl for Atlantic's oh. 75th anniversary. Yeah, I saw that. And I believe it's a 180 gram um, reissue, which is awesome. Uh, but I'll tell you what, as far as like people who are into vinyl and stuff like that and all these remasters, if you want something that I really think makes a difference, uh, and I don't know if you've seen this route uh, where they talk about it being like a, a half-speed remaster. Yeah, I have a couple of those. Yeah, I think that's where you really see the difference, even more than the 180 gram. I mean, I, what I love about the 180 grams, you know, uh, much thicker, I think you're going to get longer life out of it. You know, sometimes you notice... Uh, you know, a better sound quality on some more than others. But those half-speed masters, that's where I really, uh, really tell the difference. And I don't believe this is one of those. But fuck it. It looks good, and it's Zeppelin 4. Zeppelin 4 is a masterpiece. Love it. Not my favorite, but I love it. Four. Uh, yeah, I hey, love that. Battle of Evermore. What a great album. Yeah. It's a good one. When the levee breaks, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin is one of those bands that deserve their the praise. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you know, whoever says Led Zeppelin is overrated uh, should be uh, castrated. But funny, whenever I think of Led Zeppelin four, I think about my friend Mark, who uh, was in the Army Reserves. And in the early 90s, I think it was, I can't remember if it was Iowa or Ohio, um, but they had horrible flooding and they sent the National Guard and he, and he was sent there for that. And he said every time they would go into a bar, somebody was always playing when the levee breaks. And he was saying he could never listen to that song again because like every fucking day when you went to the bar. And the uh, funny thing is I heard a lot of people say the same thing in New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina, uh, you go into a bar, everybody's playing Refugee from Tom Petty. <laughs> you know, like, I could never hear that fucking song again. And I didn't understand it at the time until uh, I got burned out on Zeppelin in, in, in the mid-90s from Classic Rock Radio, you know, and I did, I went years without listening to Led Zeppelin. But I mean, I mean, they're amazing songs, but I get the burnout factor. And I think that's what it is with Four. As much as I love it, I appreciate it more when I listen to it as an album. Uh, I appreciate Zeppelin as a whole more when I listen to an album than individual tracks. They're, know, they're meant to be listened to album-wise. Oh, yeah. I mean, every station, I mean, since the 80s has had to get the lead out. And, uh, yeah, it kind of killed a lot. But, uh, yeah, can't take it away. It's landmark fucking album. All right, well, some sad news for Flotsam and Jetsam fans that we talked about this on your live stream. Uh, this past Thursday, uh, canceled due to poor ticket sales. Um, and I, I, I think that's just common sense. I think that was kind of a bad lineup uh, for Flotsam and Jetsam. I really don't think at this point in their career they can do a headline tour. And I mean no uh, offense to Flotsam and Jetsam or to their fans. But uh, I just don't think the draw is there. I mean, they've always been a niche band that... 90% of the people who even know about him would not know about him other than that's the fact that that's where Jason Newstead came from, you know, and shit like that. Um, 
you know, and it is hard these days with, with the touring costs and everything for these bands. And, you know, they keep, they get fucked over on their t-shirt sales and stuff like that. But I think, you know, Flotsam needs to be part of, a, you know, a bigger thrash lineup where they're not the headliners. And, and again, I mean, that is no offense. I'm just being real. You know, I think they would do much better if they were on a tour with like an overkill or something like that, you know. But uh, I think the last two Flotsam albums are the best thing they've done since the first two Flotsam albums. Oh, yeah. And, and I'm, I'm there. Man, the Blood in yeah. the Water, it's a shame. People don't know that album. Yeah, no, and I agree. And, and you know, and by, by saying this, I mean nothing disparaging against the band or their music. Yeah, nobody it, knows it, about how often. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just the reality I saw, of it. I, I, was here maybe three, four years ago. Now they came with Warbrink, and it was pretty packed. I mean, not no, I wouldn't say packed, but it was it was a decent amount of people showed up for that. So if they would go on tour with like a Warbringer, Forbidden, you know, something like that, that would bring more interest. Yeah. But all I, the things that were on the, I don't know none of them. But I, I think they need to be even on a more marquee tour than that. I think they really need to be on with like an Exodus or a Testament or something like that. Oh well, yeah, they, the opening. I'm talking about they had yeah. with Warbringer and they did okay. Right. So, because Warbringer is a name band, you know, so mm -hmm. a lot of people showed up for Warbringer and hung out for Flotsam. Yeah, know? that's what they need to do is bring out, you know, some great like there. There is, you know, there is a market for bands like Evil, and you know, there's a lot of thrash that would do well. I mean, I'm not talking sellout tour, but they would do well in a lot of markets. Because if Flotsam and Jetsam and Warbringer do well in South Florida, then Jesus yeah. right, they must do it, be, be doing phenomenal out of here because this is a trendy-ass state, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the current tour that they were on, I believe it was Flotsam headlining, uh, you know, Skid Row with their new singer and a puppet show. So, you know, with that lineup, Skid Row, I saw Skid Row not too long ago, and that was packed. You know, they were with Buck Cherry, but it was a packed show. Yeah, and I bet you they were there for Buck Cherry. <laughs> I bet you it was a bunch of drunk white girls that wanted to hear Crazy Bitch. I was outside during Buck Cherry. <laughs> but uh, that's the next story, because new on the Death Watch is uh, the new singer for Skid Row. <laughs> Man, Skid, Skid Row is... Boy, talk about a fucking the trouble they've had on this latest tour. Uh, you know, you had uh, I think it was Snake who went out with COVID. You had uh, Rachel Bolin. I think they had to postpone shows because of him. No, and no, now, they, didn't, they didn't postpone it. They still played it without. Him. Oh, something like that. Well, anyway, it, it's been fucking plagued. But now uh, this new story is for concerns for singer Eric. Gronwall or Gronwall, I don't know how you fucking pronounce that, for his health and well-being. And he has a, his, I think he had leukemia or something like this. And yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying this to joke. I don't wish this guy death. I wish death on Sammy Hagar. More importantly, Sammy Hagar fans. 
Uh, so I, I don't wish anything bad for this guy, but that's not good news. Uh, you know, a lot of times when you got diseases like this, they can go into remission and you're fine, but that shit creeps back. And uh, I, I hope that's not the case, but goddamn, talk about a fucking, uh, you, you know, a, a cursed fucking tour. You know, and, and there's been rave reviews. You said the guy was incredible and stuff like that. And I, I take your word for it. You know, I still think nobody gives a shit without, you know, Sebastian. And and even what people are going to be excited about is when they play the Sebastian songs. They're going to be gives a rat's ass. I mean, I know you like them, but about the new shit, the masses don't give yeah, a shit. Yeah, yeah, I was bummed they didn't do a lot of new shit. You know, but, uh, you know, probably the only person happy about this is, is Sebastian. You know, that motherfucker's like, Oh, no, Sebastian is like, I hope he dies. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Remember when Johnny Solinger died? And some, yeah. some guy put a picture of Sebastian Bach as Johnny yeah. Solinger. And Sebastian Bach didn't say rest in peace and sad that he died. He just came out like bashing from website <laughs> for putting a picture of him when yeah. Johnny Solinger died. What a prick. What a yeah, that, that was pretty bad. Everyone's as much as I love Sebastian's voice and everything, he'll do that shit like, okay, I get it. <laughs> you know, I, I see why they won't take him back. You know, and that yeah, that was definitely like a dick move. But uh speaking but, of speaking of dicks, but hey, hey I, I wish the guy a speedy recovery. I, I hope it's not, you know, the leukemia back. Uh, you know, seems like a nice kid. I, I just couldn't. I met him. Too- I I met him. Yeah, nice guy. Fucking super nice guy. And uh, yeah, we were talking about Judas Priest, and and then Rachel Bowling came up to me, going, "I worshipped that album. I was wearing a Aerosmith Rock shirt." And he was super nice to me too. And so was Scotty Hill, man, and the drummer, man. They were all nice. They were all. Yeah. Nice. yeah. Then Rachel say, "Isn't that the one with Living on the Edge on it?" Yeah, I love that exactly. shit. Yeah, he said that. <laughs> I, I, I go, no, man. You're like, it's the one fucking with rag, It's the one with ragdolls. <laughs> yeah, and then you ripped his fucking nose ring out and called him a poser. I love that. Got to write a song about that. Uh, speaking of something, like, I, I didn't think this band could annoy me more, even though I like maybe one or two songs, but God damn, do they just rub me the wrong way. Certain members in particular, but Pearl Jam is just about finished with a new album but most importantly what really you know chapped my fucking ass is uh jeff Amit, their bass player uh came out talking shit about my lord and savior uh david lee roth and basically said he cannot stand people like david lee roth uh, and hates when bands have singers like david lee roth he goes that shit's so fake to me uh, the musicians I love don't look at the audience or talk to the audience. You know, they look down. Some people call it shoegaze, but they're into the music. And that's how I have to be when I perform. Anything else is fake, you know? That guy is not fun at parties. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, and he's he's been a bitch, like, since they've been doing interviews. I remember him bitching about... Uh, you know, I know you're not a huge fan, but Stone Temple Pilots. But he was bitching about them. Like, oh, they're saying shit to get cred, you know, at, at the same, you know, because they said they met at a Black Flag show. But at the same time, I was seeing Black Flag, I was seeing Iron Maiden. You know, I'm legit. They're not legit. 
You know, it's like, who the fuck are you? You're in fucking Pearl Jam. They have songs like fucking Daughter, you know? Oh, I like that one. Oh, that song fucking sucks. Oh, God, that is some oh, pussy. That is, that is some fucking pussy shit. Oh, I love that. Violins! Oh, big ass pussies! I, I really, after Vitology, I kind of like gave up. Like, I don't really listen yeah. to Pearl Jam, but... Yeah. You know, when they were fighting Ticketmaster, that was cool. I went to go... No. I went to go no. to the stadium where they... Yeah. You know, this was not... I mean, a ticket was like this big. And this is when yeah. they were fighting Ticketmaster. And it was an awesome show. They thing about Pearl Jam is that Eddie Vedder is very, very mislabeled because that guy is extremely energetic. Let me tell you, man, when that show, that show, that that show when they uh, the one, the one with Ticketmaster, the way he exited the stage, Eddie Vedder, was he grabbed a, 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 an axe and he chopped the stage. And he walked down the hole and said, I thought that was awesome. Who the fuck does that? And plus, like when I saw him back in Lollapalooza, he went all the way up on the scaffold and jumped in the audience. I mean, the guy's like very animated. I don't know. And, and yeah. everybody talks about, oh, Eddie better just stands there and looks in his shoes. No, that guy is very animated. I just recently saw a clip of them doing Surrender by Cheap Trick. Good performance. It was, it was. It looked like they were all having fun, man. Yeah. I'm not a Pearl Jam hater. Yeah. You want some cranberry juice? Sounds like you're in your fucking period. Yeah, probably, yeah that and, you know, don't call <laughs> me daughter. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, fuck him. Fucking, he wishes David Lee Roth in front of that band. Maybe somebody give a shit. Oh, yeah, there, there I disagree. David Lee Roth is miles better than Eddie Vedder. Yeah. Yeah, bunch of fucking hacky sack playing motherfuckers. But then again, David Lee Roth. I hate white people. But then again, David Lee Roth is better than every frontman. Way better. True that. True that. He's the best. All right. Uh, Adrian Vandenberg says he was asked by Ozzy Osbourne to join his band 40 years ago. Man, would that have sucked? I saw Vandenberg open for Ozzy. I love Vandenberg. He's a great guitar player. I ain't heard anything that's done done shit for me. I, I, I heard, I think, the first Vandenberg didn't do nothing for me. And I, lo- I love and, that. And, and, you know, the White Snake shit that he actually wrote and played on. Yeah, that don't uh, Yeah, didn't do shit for me either. I, I don't think he's dynamic enough for Ozzy. Ozzy needs somebody dynamic, you know, like a, like a Randy or, or a Jake. I think Vandenberg would have done good. Uh, yeah, George Lynch would have been better. Better than Joe Holmes. Yeah, yeah. Te- technical, but no soul. Ruben, Ruben, Ruben De La Rosa. I love that guy. Man, that guy praises Joe Holmes like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. Like, he thinks he's the best Ozzy guitar player after Randy. Jeez, I think, oh. I think he even thinks he's better than Randy. Oh, boy. Joe Holmes. The guy that wasn't even good enough to play on an Ozzy album. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Joe Holmes. All right. Well, here's a... This is a funny twist of irony that I fucking love. uh, Is that Aerosmith had to postpone their tour uh, because Steven Tyler's vocal cord damage. 
Maybe that's where, like, you know, Joey Kramer ain't good enough to make it, you know, at this age. But Steven Tyler supposedly can, and, and look what fucking happened. They're playing, another- they're playing my two favorite Aerosmith songs, and I've never seen them play either song. Yeah, and, and I I saw the set list, and, and granted, I did see the three songs that they, I mean, the three shows they did do. They changed up a couple songs. Still not enough to drag me out and, and, and make me... Uh, make me pay what they're charging man because this tour isn't fucking cheap you I know, know. And, they're, and and they're coming here they're coming here to seattle with the black crows who i fucking love but i i saw the set list the black crows are doing and i'm like no no it's a greatest hits for the masses shit uh the the line the current lineup of black crows i'm not sold on uh you know they're playing a, a safe set to me, Aerosmith, I mean, a couple of songs they threw out there, not enough to make me pay, whatever. I saw them on the Pump Tour, I'm fine with that. But I, I, I think there's a little bit of sweet justice here. You fuck over Joey Kramer, and this happens. I'm kind of like, that's what you get, motherfucker. Yeah, that's I what think, I think. I think it's one of those situations where Joey just can't do it. But the fact that Joey just can't do it also means... You shouldn't do it without Joey. Yeah. It's not one of those things that they're fucking over Joey. Joey wants to play. I don't think yeah. he to play. But neither should Aerosmith. Yeah. Uh, it, it's done. It's done. They don't have a new album. This is just a fucking money grab, fucking nostalgia bullshit. I I'm, so si- I'm, I'm sick of these nostalgia fucking bands like Guns N' Roses. You got I nothing wish. new. You know? I wish I could go to the Aerosmith show. For free, and I'm gonna say, look, just let me in to see no more, no more, and seasons of wither, and then I'll leave. I wish that was the situation. I would go for that, just to see those two songs, and then leave. Cause yeah, it's not Aerosmith without Joey Kramer. It's just not. You know, uh, Joey Kramer is just as important as Steven Tyler and Joe Perry, in my opinion. And, All right. Well. And Brad Woodford. Yeah. All right. Well, last story, unless you got anything else. Uh, fuck, now I forgot what the fuck I was going to say. Uh, let me go back here a little bit. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Uh, how do you feel about uh, ACDC not playing with Phil Rudd at the Power Trip show? It's a drag. Yeah, I... You know, and, and I'm curious to see what it, I've seen a lot of speculation. Everything from he's off the wagon again to problems getting a visa. Uh, but yeah, to me, it's like, okay, it's hard enough without Malcolm there, you know, and now you're not going to include Phil Rudd. I mean, that's the thing. I didn't love Power Up as much as you did, but at least I was glad that, you know, Phil Rudd was part of it. Uh, I think at this stage in the game, you can't afford to lose any more fucking original members and still call yourself oh, no, I, that's, that's where you're wrong, Ian. Foreigner. I rest my case. Yeah, true. True. The masses don't care, but I, I, as an ACDC fan. Yeah, know. yeah, of course. It's, it's a drag. I don't know if I'd go see them, to tell you the truth, without so much. Yeah, I don't know either. Okay, all right. Well, fuck that. I wish Phil Rudd was there. One more last story. Uh, that that's it. Then that, that, that I'm done. Unless you got something. 
But uh, this is a reason we need to get your friend on the show. And he's my friend, too, but only on Facebook. Uh, Bobby Gutzison has a new band. Yeah, Pain... Called Pain Ward. Pain Ward, yeah. Pain Ward. So I think we need to get Bobby on the show to promote this shit. Yeah, so, drummer is a good friend of mine, too. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, who's that, Jim McCourt? Yeah, Jim. Me and Jim go way back. Jim is the guy that got Bobby to play the solo on our cover of Hammerhead. Oh, okay, nice. And 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 former Massacre bassist Mike Borders. Okay, right on. I love Massacre. Yeah, um, open for the best. Yeah, Bobby sent me an invite to the band. I was like, ooh, cool. All right. Well, uh, we, we need to get on that. I'd love to talk to this guy. Yeah, man. I'll he talk seems to him. Like, he's, he's, he seems like no bullshit. You know. Yeah, he's all right. He's a good dude. Yeah. Yeah, he, he seems like he'd be, he, you know, fun to roll with, you know? Mm-hmm. All right, well, before my fucking uh, iPods die here, and I hope, I know that happened during a live stream. My iPods died, and then when I went to switch headphones, uh, we had issues. Hopefully that doesn't happen. But let's get to the album we, d- we d- finally decided we had to do <laughs> because we had done our first two choices. That's how fucking old and senile we are. We are doing, in my opinion, spoiler alert, the finest, hands down, Judas Priest album. Their fourth album, 1978's Stained Class. Ooh, I was so glad you picked this one, Ralph. Uh, man, you know, and, and what's funny is when we were doing the, the, the Kiss episode on, on your YouTube page, you know, I was just like, oh, God, I'm, I'm so sick of fucking kiss and acting like it fucking matters. You know, we should be doing something like Priest and Stained Class, which to me, you know, we were talking about, you know, the Solems coming out in 1978. You got this that came out in 1978, <laughs> which makes all four of those sound like fucking Bay City Rollers, like and so by, obsolete. And by the way... This album was released the same day as Van Halen 1. Really? I did not know that. Well, February 10th, 1978? Yeah. The day wow. after my birthday. Wow. Amazing. Yep. Two albums come out that day. Your birthday's February 9th? Yeah. Okay, cool. I've already got you a birthday card for your birthday oh, cool. next year. Thanks. Yeah. My wife found it online. She goes, this, you know, when's Ralph's birthday? And I was like, fuck, I can't remember. She goes, well, I already got him a card. It's perfect for him. So I can't wait. Now Now I know, February 9th. <laughs> and, I've got you the, the perfect card. You don't have to, you know, uh, tell me, but I have a weird speculation. The card says, faggot ass faggot. <laughs> nope. Way off. Well, maybe not way off, but... Uh, <laughs> But uh, no, th- this is amazing, uh, man. And uh, I-, I-, I guess I've got this is one I didn't discover for years. I mean, probably uh, you know had to be mid '90s when I really listened to it as a whole. I mean, I knew certain songs off of it, but uh, I don't think I listened to it all the way through until the mid '90s. Uh, but it, but it grabbed me right away. Uh, 
remember as an early Judas Priest fan, you know, I came on board with Turbo, you know, but because of my age. Man, uh, that's really sad. Yeah, yeah. I, well, no, I mean, it's, I like, I, it's like the equivalent, Ian, of you meeting some guy going, yeah, I wasn't in Metallica until I heard Hero of the Day. You would, yeah. that's sad. Oh, no, I, I, I get it. I, I, I totally get it. Uh, but when I heard Turbo, though, I did go back and, you know, uh, was buying their back catalog and I bought uh, I bought everything that came out afterwards, like, you know, immediately when it came out. But I remember in eighth grade, I, I think the, the farthest I went, the oldest one I got was Unleashed in the East. And uh, it took me a while to get into it. You know, I fucking love it now. I mean, I, I think I love it more and more every year and appreciate it more and more every year. But it was hard for me to get into 70s uh, Priest. And, and still to this day, I mean, the album we were going to do, uh, Set Wings of Destiny, until <laughs> we found out we already did it, uh, even though it's very beloved, is, is not my favorite uh, by far. Uh, I would say... You know, the the first two Priest albums would be at my bottom of all the '70s stuff. Um, you know, but it, but it took me a while to really appreciate. It. But now, uh, and for probably the last, I don't know, maybe 20 years or so, this has been my favorite Judas Priest. I, I, I think it's. I don't think they've ever topped this. I think it's groundbreaking uh to me this is where priest really became priest there's a lot of people who say you know sad wings is when they became priest or sin after sin i think this is the one um that really brought it all together but you know what this this is when i agree with you but this was the end because priest never sounded like this after this album yeah i'll give you that i'll give you that uh, it, is, it is the ultimate Judas Priest album now. This was my favorite album forever. I even did a review on YouTube claiming yeah. it's my favorite album ever. I did it like, I don't know, maybe eight years ago. But it has since changed. Now I think Sad Wings is the greatest studio album, but Unleashing the East is the greatest Priest album. Right. right. I, I, I knew that was your was your favorite. You know, but, but, you know, we're talking about studio albums here. Um, but, man, this is just, I, I don't know. I, I, I could go on and on about this. Uh, but listening to it today, you know, even though I, I know this album, I still, before we review, I'd like to, uh, you know, listen to it and write notes and everything. And you were gracious enough to, uh, to allow me the time to do it. Uh, it was just it was a fucking eargasm from the from the first note to the fucking last this is Judas Priest uh, to me to me and this is the, the peak of their powers and there's plenty of other Priest albums that I like but pound for pound um, I I don't know if there's one that comes close to this uh, you and I differ a lot on studio I'm like you know I prefer Screaming over British Steel you know um, I prefer this over Sad Wings, so we differ, but we both love Judas Priest. Uh, 
but when did you get into this? I know your your first one was Unleashed in the East, right? Yeah, and I I never went back on the back catalog till many years later because then I bought British Steel Point of Entry, and it was around it was around Screamer for Vengeance. It was either then or between Screamer for Vengeance and Defenders was where I heard all the past. My friend Buckweed had had a um, Sad Wings on cassette. And the first time I heard Sad Wings, I was taken back because all those songs are so slow. And yeah. so used to Unleash Version. That that kind of deterred me for many years. Not thinking it was the best album because, and I still think the Unleashed Versions are superior. But, and, and this also applies to Stained Class. Because the only song from Stained Class that's on um, Unleashed is Exciter. Nothing else. Right. And I like the Unleashed version more, but I will say, and this also applies to all the songs on on Sad Wings, like uh, Victim of Changes, Ripper, um, Tyrant. Tyrant. And I like the vocal performance more on those albums than what Rob did on Unleash. And what Rob did on Unleash is phenomenal. I'm not knocking it, but there's a little more enunciation, a little more character where, see the story, cause I read Rob's book. The story of Unleash in the East was, they were in Japan and he had a flu. So he didn't sing too well. So they right. went to John Lennon's house, which Ringo uh, owned at the time, you know where he did Imagine? Right. House. And That's where they did British Steel as well, right? Yeah, they did British Steel there. And what Rob Hoffer said, he went to that house and he sang the whole concert like it was a concert. He didn't take breaks. He just sang the whole, all those songs, plus The Living the Goods, uh, Beyond the Realms of Death, all the songs that didn't help them for that, didn't make the album. He did it all in one take. You know, because his voice was in top form. But I think by doing it with one take, you're at one level, you know, where I think when he did the studio stuff, it, it had more Arnold character, even though I love just as well the Unleashed versions. I hope I'm making sense here. You know? No, 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 I get it. Yeah, I, I, get it. I, I, I do like his vocal performance more. And there is one song on this album, Staying Class, when we get into it. Rob never, ever sang that well. The greatest song he ever sang, not the greatest Beard and Priest song, but yeah. the greatest vocal performance is on this album. Yeah. No, and, and I agree with you on that because, you know, I initially did notes on Sad Wings and I'm just like, oh man, I, I can't hear those versions anymore because I'm so used to Unleashed, you know, and I've listened to that so many more times than I have Sad Wings, you know, and, and plus, there, you know, there's some songs on Sad Wings I think straight up suck, you know, where this, I think every every song is incredible. I think I would, you know, spoiler alert, I would, out of all these songs, there's only one I would give a 9 out of 10, where the rest are 10 out of 10, and, you know, the, the version of Exciter, um, I think is on par, if not better than uh, 
the Unleashed and the East version. Where I think, like I said, I, I'm so tainted by Unleashed. I Sad Wings, I hear it, and I'm like, eh, no, I need Sad Wings. I need that that power, that energy that's lacking. Yeah, that, uh, that's, from that, that that's how I felt for many years, but yeah. I get it now. Listening to Sad Wings, I get the yeah. power, the, the primitive. It's, it's the album that perfected metal. You had Black Sabbath invented it. You know, one thing I've been listening, I've been, like always, I always listen to a lot of Black Sabbath. And one thing dawned on me on Black Sabbath, listen to it, they really weren't bluesy. They get tagged as, you know, they were a, blue, they were a blues band turned into a metal band. But right. listening to that early Black Sabbath, I don't hear blues. The only, uh, the only song I can say is kind of close is Warning off the first album. But that's yeah. probably. But I don't find Black Sabbath to be a bluesy band. The the funny thing is with with Sabbath, I see the blues influence, but I I hear more jazz in the yes. performance than, yes. than blues. Yes, like you listen to Fairies Were Boots, but yeah. you hear more jazz because of Bill Ward. Bill Bill Ward and and Tony. I, I, I do. I, I hear more in the time signatures and everything, which, you know, a lot of the time signatures come with Bill. Uh, but I also hear some jazziness in, in what uh, uh, Tony's playing. I do hear more blues out of Ozzy and uh, and Geezer, though, in their, in their performances. Uh, performances. Um, but yeah, definitely the jazz element, I, I think, is more overpowering than the blues. But that's something metal. that that, that that's something that pre-stripped away was yeah. the blues influence. You know, you hear zero of that, uh, and what you hear in "Sad Wings of Destiny," I hear far too much of a a, a Queen influence, you know, or a proggy influence. Oh, uh, yeah. epitaph, yes, but the rest I don't hear. Queen yeah, he, uh, prelude, prelude sounds like some a little little instrumental. Right, but but I mean, I hear more proggy, you know, like Queen type shit in there than I hear fucking metal. This album is straight up fucking metal, and to me, you know, could be the first full blown of what you would call modern metal. You know, um, what we would know to come from Priest and 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 in the eighties type metal. I mean, there's no doubt that Sabbath are the Godfathers and the inventors. But, you know, you even said a priest perfected it. This is the album where I think they perfected it. And there's none of the, you know, the prog influences, you know, the classic rock influences. This is a straight up metal record. Um, there's one song that's a little bit different, but I still think they put a hard edge on it. Uh, but this is just amazing. And I, I think, you know, not only does this album more utilize the twin guitar attack but also the drumming you know the first one with Les Binks uh, which I think is so important and for years I kind of debated what is the best uh, Priest lineup um, you know if I, I'd go back and forth is it Scott Travis or is it Les Binks Les I think now Les, Les Binks because without Les Binks you wouldn't have what Scott Travis did um, you know, I, I think he's very influential uh, on metal and doesn't get his due. Uh, 
you know, he only played on this album, Hellbent or Killing Machine, depending on where you live, and Unleashed. But he set that style of drumming, which you didn't get during the Dave Holland years, as much as I love those. I mean, Dave Holland was a fucking, you know, uh, Ringo Starr type drummer. You know, I'll, like take, I'll Chris... take him. I'll take him over Travis. You take Dave Holland over Travis? I'm talking about musically. Listen to not just, oh, of course, uh, Travis is technically better. But I like I like British Steel. I don't think Priest has made a better album than British Steel since. But I love Screaming. I love Defenders. You know, I like all those albums more than anything Scott Travis has done with Priest. And, and, and the, the, the tough thing with Dave Holland, too, is like, you know, how many Priest albums did he actually fucking play on? Well, I mean, that's debatable. I don't know. I, I, I mean, what what is it really? British Steel, uh, Screaming, and Defenders? Well, those you are the best one and Point of Entry. Uh, point of Entry. Uh, but to me, it's, it's a very, uh, I mean, solid, but dumbed down compared to what Les Binks did. No, of course. And even Les Binks dumbed it a little down on Hell yeah. A little bit. Not much. Well, well, well I, I think they dumbed down the songwriting. What I love about this is there's none of those stupid, silly pre-songs. To me, like, like, like Take on the World or United. Uh, you know, which to me are, you know, in my opinion, beneath Priest. Those those are like turbo type songs. Well, this this, this album is all metal. Well, Judas Priest progressed to stay in class, and that's where it stayed. Yeah, they they, they progressed and then they degressed. Yeah, you, you know, to, to to an extent. You know, they they, they picked it back up with screaming uh, and defenders. I I think musically. You know, there was still some middle of the road songs, but there's also some like really heavy shit on, on those two albums. But uh, to me, as, as much as I love British Steel, it's, it's way dumbed down compared to this. You know, and even- it was, the, it was 1980. If you were a little kid like me in 1980, not only not only Stain Cloud, I mean British Steel, but every fucking album in the 80s, in 1980, yeah. On Through the Night, yeah. Saxon, two killer Saxon albums. Right. Steel of Steel, you had Ozzy, Blizzard of Oz, you had Heaven and Hell. It was a stellar, stellar year of metal. Right. And and British Steel was up there, man. It, the first album. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not contradicting the importance of British Steel, but I'm saying to me, it's almost like a dumbed down version, like the Black Album is a dumbed down version of Metallica. Well, you know, and Hellbent for Leather is a dumbed down version of Sting. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. That's, that was a natural, see, Hellbent for Leather to me was uh, the beginning of era two. Of, uh, yeah, you know, I, I would agree with that, I would agree. And it, it still had a little bit of what was before, but not enough. But to me, like this album, Took what they kind of started on sin after sin, no, but perfected no. it. Dude, victim of changes, ripper, uh, um, deceiver, tyrant, all that's a blueprint of Sting class. Oh no, no, no! I, I like it. Don't get me wrong, but I mean they got. I don't think you can't say that sin after sin is not heavier than. I uh, no, I don't think sin after sin is any more progressive than. I think it's a continuation of 
Yeah, but I think it's heavier. I, I think it's heavier than Sad Wings. Nah, all right. Not, I mean, I mean, there's nothing on there like you know, Distant Aggressor and and, and Sinner. Yeah. I, I think oh. is yeah. you know is, is heavier. So that they were showing signs of getting heavier, but I think this one they, they just man they they knocked it out of the fucking park. You know, and and then there's other things that I, I mean, it's not as important musically, but like this is where you got the Judas Priest logo. And, and you know, and, and this this fucking album cover is one of the best of all time. What I, I mean, and they, you know, I love like the '80s theme with the cartoon shit and everything. But there's just some some timeless everything about this album. The album cover, the logo, the music—it's just fucking. It's Priest on fucking steroids. I still don't know what that album cover is. What is it like a Terminator figure getting? Shot with a laser gun? I don't know. Uh, to me, I just always think, you know, it's like a robot or an android kind of thing, you know, with, like, stained glass going through its fucking head. You know, like, like shot through the fucking head. I love it. I, I need a stained glass t-shirt. Do you have one? Uh, no, I don't have a stained glass shirt. I need one. Um, it, it, and, and also, i got to remember, that album cover inspired two kids to kill themselves. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get into that fucking later. Those dipshits. Glad they're not fucking breathing air anymore. Just saying. You know, I'm a big fan of Bill Hicks, but Bill Hicks said something really, it was cold, about the two guys that killed themselves with Jesus Priest then. What did he say? He said, two kids killed themselves with Jesus Priest. So what? What? Yeah. Two less gas tenant, gas station. Yeah. That's fucked up, man. Yeah, it's fucked up, but he's not far off, you know. And 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 again, I don't mean to belittle people who who suffer from depression. I've had bouts, uh, you know, and stuff like that. But God damn, if if you're gonna kill yourself over a fucking record, you got more problems than fucking Judas Priest. You kill know? yourself to Slipknot record. Get them fucking give them heat. Yeah, exactly. That's what. Look, that's our that's our theme for this week. All Sammy Hagar fans, put on a Slipknot record, shoot yourself in the head, and keep that, you know, I mean, have the record on the turntable, so when they come and find your dead body, you'll oh. Slipknot record, and... Please. Blame me. Please. Oh, my God. I, I would love to see that. You know, because you see all this shit in the news about grooming and stuff like that? You want to talk about grooming, it's Sammy Hagar grooming kids. It's, it's not... You know, uh, drag on story hour. Sammy Hagar does it to retarded kids. Like yeah. that retarded looking Popeye we know. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I need to douche my pussy. My pussy needs douche. Oh, God. Um, but uh, when he's, you first heard this in what, early 80s, you'd say then? Yeah, I heard this between. Screaming and Defenders, and uh, I heard every. I mean, what happened was my friend played me uh, Sad Wings Destiny, and I was a little thrown back by it. Then when I heard this album, I think this was the next one I heard. I liked it way more than Sad Wings. I was like, ooh. And then I heard Sin After Sin. I was like, God damn, you know, I liked them both more than Sad Wings. Then I heard Rock and Roll, which. I love rock and roll, but that's not really metal. It's kind yeah. of a hard rocking thing, uh, yeah. more in the vein of Led Zeppelin. 
but <laughs> you know, they would be more of a Judas Priest in a way invented metal as well. Like Sabbath and Priest both invented metal. One form of metal to another form of metal. Yeah. And <laughs> I know you'll make fun of me over this, but like when I was a kid, I wouldn't give rock and roll a well actually yeah, a hard time finding rock and roll. You'd find sad wings and then there was remember Hero Hero? Yeah. You know, and, and Best of Judas Priest. But I figured they sucked because it was on RCA and Nobody Cool was on, in the States, it was released on cassettes on RCA. I was like, no, that's like Frank Sinatra record label. Like, nobody's cool on that. I'm like, there's cool bands on Columbia, <laughs> you know? But I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't give it a chance because it was on RCA and it just looked old to me. You know, I'm like, oh, it must suck. I was, I was very unaware of that. I didn't know they were on RCA. Yeah, I, I think in the States it was released through that, or at least that's what the cassettes looked like to me. It was like an RCA cassette. Yeah, the, the Vulper, uh, Sad Wings, I have not, is it Hero? Yeah, I have Hero Hero, I have Sad Wings, and I have Rock and Roll all on Gold Records. They're all on Gold Records. Right. I, I that's think the best, the best of Jesus Priest too is all on. Right, Gold. yeah, with, with the weird, like, you know. Uh, the Night. Yeah, um, I, I think it might have been like they were on Gall, but maybe it was distributed through RCA or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Gall, Gall has made a living off Priest, boy. Yeah, yeah, and and then I think they were also like back in the day they were released on Tamla, which was a subsidiary of Motown. You know when they initially came out uh, in the seventies. So there you go. But, uh, fuck it, let's go into this one. Why don't you take the opening track? Uh, Exciter. Starting off with yeah. Les Binks. Kind yeah. of coming off like, hey, check out our new drummer. There's double bass. There's some really vicious, like, proto-thrash going on on this. Rob Halford singing amazingly. Love the guitar solos and the harmony guitar solos with... To me, nobody's better than KK and Glenn when it comes to double guitar players, except for Hank Sherman and Michael Dennis. But I love what Thin Lizzy did. I even like recently got into Wishbone Ash. I think those guys yeah. did good shit. Yeah. They made it, but dude, these two were so lethal. That and I mean, coming up later, uh, the, the solo what KK does on the uh, future series. It's just, you know, I know technically Glenn is better, but I like KK more. I like his style more. His Hendrixy, wah wah, because yeah. he plays it precise and he doesn't overdo it. You know, it's fucking, it's just amazing. But Glenn is phenomenal too. And coming up is my favorite Glenn Tipton guitar solos on this album as well. But I love Exciter. And. I'm, I'm talking about Unleashed in the East, but it also applies to the studio version. The first time I heard Unleashed in the East, and I hear Rob doing that, stand, fight for Exciter, stand, fight yeah. for When he keeps building, it's like, when he hits that last one, and he does it on this uh, uh, the studio version too, it's unreal. It's unhuman. Oh, yeah. And nobody sang like that. You yeah. know, Bob Hopper was um. It was like a machine. Unbelievable. This song is fucking awesome. 
Probably, yeah, I would say it's my favorite track off this album. Excited. God, I'd be hard pressed to pick a favorite. I really would. I know my least favorite, but I don't know if I could pick a favorite. But uh, fuck yeah, this, this is where True Free starts for me. The singing, the drumming, the guitars, the lyrics. Uh, you know, and just think of this in 78. You know, this is what Priest is putting out. And Kiss puts out the fucking solo albums. Makes Kiss sound like Kiss. Uh, to me, only Motorhead at this time, which only had their first album come out and was still not the, the Motorhead that we would know and love. Um, was there anything fast like this? And as powerful. And, and with Rob's voice... Uh, so unique. I mean, because I, I think prior to Rob, the only kind of screams you would hear like that uh, would be from Ian Gillen. But to me, this was even next level shit over Ian Gillen. At least at that point. I mean, I know he has legendary shit on um, on Born Again, but you know, this is pre-Born Again, and I'll, I'll take. You know, I'll take this over Child and Fucking Time over those screams. That's for goddamn sure. Um, just absolutely amazing opening track, and and just shows like how far this band came in, in a short period of time. Uh, I'll take the next track. Oh, uh, funny thing, before I go on, uh, this is something I didn't know about. Did you know there's a backwards part in this song? No, I didn't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a part when played in reverse, uh, Halford appeared to, to say, I asked for a peppermint. I asked her to get one. Yes. I do remember <laughs> that from the court, but I didn't, I, I don't, I don't recall if I knew it was off Exciter, but I remember right. Rob Halford saying that on the stand. Yeah. You know, and, and the funny thing is, I don't know at what point the backward shit is on this. But I don't know what where the backward shit is on the other song either. So I I, I don't know. Maybe maybe my ears only listen to shit you know forward. Yeah. But uh, I'll take the next one. Uh, White heat, red hot. Holy fuck! You know another perfect track. And this is one. Man, would I love to see them bring this in their fucking set list. I mean, there there there's so many songs on here. I think would be absolutely amazing and yeah maybe you know only hardcores like you and me would know but it, but i think it would be the same like reaction as you know when you and i saw them you know in was it 2019 uh when they played starbreaker <laughs> you know and we're like holy fucking shit you know if, yeah, if they would yeah you know but but if they bring out like you know white hot red heat you know Oh my God! This is this is priest. This is priest 101, and uh, just amazing track. And they played every song off this album live except for one, even though there's one that they didn't play until 2021. But uh, yeah, there's only one track on here not played live, and and that one blows my mind. But uh, yeah, this would be very welcomed, I think, in, in the set list. And there's two songs great. on here that were played live, that were never played live back then, but were played live later. Yeah, yeah, but but there's one that's still never been played. Okay. But uh, I, I, I love this. I'm curious to know what song that is. Huh? Well, I'll let you know when we get to it. Uh, what, what do you think of this track? Oh, I love it. 
absolutely love it. I love the version that's on that video of them playing Japan where Rob wore all that furly shit. <laughs> yes. Rob wore all that furly shit and there's KK on leather. Who, who, who brought leather into the fucking priest? It was fucking KK. Man. Yeah. The song rips, man. It's it's a little more toned down than the rest of the album. I wouldn't say it's very proggy or anything. It's kind of straightforward in a way. But in a way, it's kind of out there as well, where it's not so mainstream. I love the guitar work. I love uh, the drumming toward the end and Rob, like, screaming his eyes off. Classic. Love it. Then we go into Better By You, Better Than Me, right? Yep. The Spooky Tooth cover. Yes, sir. Uh, love it. If I were to pick my least favorite on the album, it'd be this. But I still love it. And if you play this backward, it says, do it. And I remember, I remember listening to this as a little kid. And when, you know, that part came, you know, subliminally, I went and did the dishes. I went and cleaned the bathroom. I mopped the house because of the song, tell me to do it, do it, do it. <laughs> so I did all those things. I went, I went and cut the grass. Yeah, I was very tired because of this song. It made me do a, a lot of events. <clears throat> but it's great. It's it's um, a cool cover. I've heard the original. I prefer this version. But the original is pretty cool. It's not bad. Um, I dig it. I think Better By You, Better Than Me. It was a great tune, and I believe it might have been record company pressure. You yes. Know, Diamonds and Ross. Okay, we want another cover. You know? So yes. It might have been record company pressure, but I love it, and I will hear your review as I go get my my drink. All right. Uh, I absolutely love this track. Yes, it is a spooky tooth cover. Written by the Dreamweaver himself, Gary Wright, who just passed away. Um I do like the Spooky Tooth original, but it's it's nothing compared to this. But, uh, you know, I, I don't get what it is about this song that would make you kill yourself. I don't know. This is one of the two main ones that was listed in the lawsuit and everything. And uh, the whole do it. I, I mean, I, I don't hear it to my ears, but... But maybe it did have an influence when when I killed the Sammy Hagar fan. But you know, they never found the body. Because who cares when a Sammy Hagar fan goes missing? You know, they just chalk it up to another sexually confused child. Uh, I, I love this song. Not my least favorite. Not my least favorite. I I think it's awesome. Another one. Bring this fucking back live. This would be a great like just mid tempo number. Uh, you know, I don't think it would be too, too hard to sing for him. Uh, I love it. Dude, it's better by you, better than me. And again, if anybody out there knows, like, why this song is about killing yourself, let us know in the comments section, either on Podbean or on YouTube, because I have no fucking clue. But man, did you ever see that documentary uh, that they made about uh, the kids who shot themselves? And that poor fucking bastard who lived and looked like a muck. Have you ever seen anything grosser in your life than that fucking kid who survived the fucking gunshot to the face? And he later died, I think it was like three years later, he OD'd. And, and fuck, I don't blame him. 
looks like a fucking Muppet. You know, it, it didn't even look fucking human. Why the fuck are you going to kill yourself when you can listen to Judas Priest? You kill yourself, you can't listen to Judas Priest no more. Doesn't make sense. Don't fucking get it. Then we go to the next song, the title track, Stained Class. Yeah, talk about that. Woo! Woo! Holy fuck, is this an epic song. And, uh, you think Iron Maiden never heard this? <laughs> that fucking gallop, that fucking chorus, that long ago and far. Oh my god, I fucking love that shit. Um, another, bring this fucking back, you know, this 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 is fucking Judas Priest. This is the Judas Priest I know and love, and you know a lot of the other priests I love. You know, there, there's similarities there. Um, a masterpiece. You know, this is Hofford and, and Tipton wrote this one, and uh, so far no no KK co-writes. There's actually only two songs on this album uh, that have KK uh, involved in it. This is not one of them. God damn, do I love this. It's, it's, it's quintessential fucking priest. Uh, deserves to be the title track. Uh, fucking stained class. Every, every, everything about it's perfect. Uh, I, I don't know what more you can say, but I'd love to hear what Ralph has to say about it if he's done PN or filling his glass. I'm here. Okay. What do you think of stained class? What, you don't see me? Oh, uh, no, I got another page up on. All right, now I, I see you. I saw that. Um, this is a song that I think Rob Hoffer does his greatest vocal performance in. It's so out there. There's so many changes. What he does, and a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of highs and lows, and these changes the song does. He does all these crazy changes vocally that I don't think he's done anything as insane as this. This is like what he did in Descent Aggressor, but turn it up to a million. The Gallop, yeah, the, the, what Maiden did later. It's just an epic, epic, awesome song. Absolutely love, love uh, the title track. Then we go into Invader, right? Uh, yes. Invader is a song they didn't play back then. I didn't know that. So they played it on, on some recent tour, saying this is the first time they ever played Invader. Same thing with another song coming up. Love yeah, it. that was a, that was the one, I believe, 2001 was the first time they played Invader. Yeah. Uh, awesome. A little more straightforward. A little, uh, but it's got this... Uh, I don't know, dude, the guitars sound like UFOs. You know, it does some UFO-ish type. <laughs> you know? Um, it's amazing. You know, when I listen to this, it makes me believe in UFOs more than when I hear Sammy sing about it. <laughs> um, I love Invader, man. Hard to believe they didn't play it back then because it's an accessible song. Probably most accessible song on this album. Um, and it wasn't played till, you know, Many, many decades later. But Invader Rules, what do you think? Oh, yeah. I love it. Uh, again, in my notes, I put not played until uh, 2021. And we're, we're five cuts deep into this album and five perfect fucking songs. I mean, talk about an incredible side one. Holy fucking shit. Uh, Invader. 
again, it has everything that you know and love from Priest. Uh, you know, unless you're somebody that just likes Turbo Lover, I don't know how you could listen to any of these songs and I go, oh yeah, that's Priest I know and love. That's fucking incredible. Uh, what a way to end side one. And I'll flip it over and go to side two. And holy fuck. Saints in hell. I mean, a perfect fucking track. And I, I, I love the swagger of this fucking song. Uh, finally, we have a, a co-write with KK. And... I, I, just, I love kind of like the start stop of this, you know, and, and the little chug along. And I mean, it's fucking saints in hell. Those screams you get out of, out of Halford on this, you know. It's, it's priest of the fucking core, man. You know. Saints in hell. I dig it. What you think? I love it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's some songs that the cheese kind of like adds to it and this is one of them. I think so, whole, huh? Yeah, that whole blood sucking back and stuff like that. It's so cool. It's cheesy though. But it's cool as fuck. I love it. You know what I love? Is Faith Warning doing this song. They do an amazing cover. I don't, I don't know if I've heard it. Yeah, uh, I got I got you know, I will promote it. I think the greatest tribute album ever is called the tribute to the metal god. Uh, I have that, but I don't think I've listened to every track. Well, it might not be on there because I'm not sure. It might be on the American version. Uh, my friend Holy George was in the army in Japan, and he bought me both. Ver- you know, in Japan there were two discs. In America, they combined both discs into one disc. Yeah. Well, I know there's there's two volumes of it. I have yeah. two volumes of it. Okay, then you got like the Japanese shit. Yeah. Yeah, because I, 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 I didn't know Holy George fought for the for the Jap Army. No, Did I'm you say Jap Army? He was in the Navy, I'm sorry, not Army. Oh. Jap's got a Navy? No, man, it's Americans. They're, you know, they're allowed in Japan. Why do you call them Japs? The American Navy. I didn't call them Japs. Oh. I call them I call them slanty eyed faggots. Oh, hey! Yeah. We're gonna get canceled. Cancel! Um, yeah, but uh, oh my God, Saints in Hell! Come on, what a riff! And that you can tell that opening riff. That's KK. That sounds like something KK would do. Um, ripping! I love uh, Rob again. Kind of like Stained Class, how Rob does those crazy screams, and you know, it's another challenging track for him which is another song they didn't play back then that they played on a recent tour. Uh, where I was like, wow, they didn't play Saint Class back then? I mean, this song back Saints in Hell, yeah. Saint Class, a uh, good version of Saint Class is on the Rob Halford Live album. Live in yeah. He does a cool yeah. Saint Class, which is great. Um, yeah, uh, Saints in Hell is awesome. Savage is next, right? Uh, yes. Wow. Again, this is epic, epic metal. Um, doesn't let up. Uh, again, with Rob's vocals and the, the metal machinery of this song, just the 
it's, it doesn't let up, man. This whole album is just bashing you over the head. And Savage is like probably like the dark horse song on this album. I think this song is fucking phenomenal. Love it. What do you think? Uh, I think I just got a text from Marty Freeman. He said he'll no longer listen to this show because you said Japs. Um, I didn't say Jeff. You said Jeff. I said plenty. I, I know, but I said it with a wink. Oh, God, yeah. Damn it. Oh, damn. You called him slanty-eyed faggots. He didn't like that either. <laughs> he, he said slanty-eyed. It was funny, but faggots, uh, you went over the line. All right. Uh, All right. How's this? Slanty-eyed British cigarettes. Okay. All right. Uh, well, I'll see if he texts back. Um, Savage is my least favorite song on the album, and it still kicks fucking ass. Uh, that's how great this is. And, and again, I, I hear this, and I, I think to myself, without Judas Priest, Iron Maiden would always sound like the Judas Priest, I mean, uh, the, the Jethro Tull cover band they are now. Uh, you know, and that, that's what I miss about Priest, is the fucking urgency and the, and, the, and the rawness that, you know, they stole from Judas Priest and act like they didn't. Uh, with, without Priest, there's no fucking Maiden. I'm sorry. I'm hey. I just got a text from Marty Friedman. Oh, yeah? What'd he say? And first off, fuck you, Ralph. I hate you. And tell you to kiss my ass and don't insult Jethro Tull like that. Oh, fuck that Jap lover. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love our Japanese fans. Don't worry, Gato. Um, yeah, no, no. Uh, Savage. Again, Lee, you know, you got to pick a least favorite. This is it. I love every fucking song on the album. This is the one I would give a 9 out of 10 where everything else gets a 10 out of 10. Uh, still fucking killer. But then we go on to, you know, holy fucking shit. Beyond the Realms of Death. Um, I, I, I mean, just such a powerful fucking song. Uh, still wouldn't make me kill myself. <laughs> you know, but... But this is the one I could kind of understand, like somebody depressed listening to this and like, oh, you know, but I, I don't know. I've listened to sad, sad songs and sympathize, but I've, I've never heard a song that would make me kill myself. Apologies to anybody who's been suicidal, but I mean, goddamn, if a song is, is what's going to push you over, I don't think it took too much to push you over. I think you were already fucking there. A song uh, ever, a song never ever made me want to commit suicide. But an yeah. album did, 5150. Yeah, yeah. And even that, even 5150 didn't make me want to kill myself, it made me want to kill other people. You know? That liked but, me. Uh, yeah, I exactly. And, and one of these days I'm going to get a stepladder and I'm going to kill Bushy. You know? I'm, I'm going to climb that fucking mountain and, j and just slit his fucking throat. You know what? I actually think Bushy doesn't like 5150. Yeah. He likes whatever. the other one, but I think that one yeah. is fine. Yeah, whatever. He's a, he's a self-hating 5150 fan. Yeah. You know? I, I think he just tells people in public that, you know? Well, I don't o like that. OU812 is better than Women, Children First and Fair Warning. He said that, and I still don't believe he meant that. Yeah. I think it's just him wanting to get people to talk. There's no way he thinks that. There's no and, way and it, he thinks that. And you know what? If, if somebody shoots Bushy because of that, I you know, I, I think that'll hold up in court. You know? I, I think they'll get off on that shit. 
Uh, but Jesus fuck is this epic. Not only one of Priest's best songs, uh, but I think one of the, the best... It's got too much balls to call it a power ballad, but, I mean, it's kind of a slow, you know, builder. But not only one of the best metal songs, but I, I think one of the best songs in music ever. This song is just flawless to me. And if you don't see the beauty in Beyond the Realms of Death, I, I, you got taste for fucking shit. You're a faggot-ass faggot! Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know... It's beyond the fucking realms of death. Holy fucking shit. You know, and... Again, listen to it, enjoy it, don't fucking kill yourself. Unless you enjoy this song and Sammy Hagar. If you do, then take both barrels and... No, that'll never happen. Anybody that likes Sammy Hagar would never get the awesomeness of... That's right. And if you do say that you aren't, you're a liar. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. There's there's nobody that, that can fall for that shit. If you like Sammy Hagar, you have taste for shit. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think there's any Sammy Hagar and Judas Priest fans. No. I, I, I think that's pretty much about it. Like, you, you could like Sammy Hagar and the Counting Crows. Yeah. You know, but but not Judas Priest. You can like Sammy Hagar and Gloria. Yes. Well, they all do. But uh, a, a goddamn motherfucking masterpiece, man. Beyond the realms of death. Uh, it, it, it's spine-chilling how, how fucking great this is. And, and the performance, you know, the vocally, musically. Uh, it's great. And, and when I hear it, you know, it's... It, it's kind of a, a sad, you know, subject matter. But I, I never get depressed when I listen to this. I never get sad. I just appreciate the beauty of the music and everything. If anything, it's uplifting. I, I don't take the lyrics like, you know, like, oh, woe is me. I'm just like, oh, my God, is this executed perfectly? You know, I, I mean, it, it comes from a place, I, I think, of sincere emotion and, and desperation. But this is what you do when you feel that kind of despair and desperation. You write something out of it. And you get it out of your system, and you exercise it. And I, I, I think there's nothing wrong with listening to this and and, and saying like, yeah, I, I, feel, I mean, we all go through bullshit, but that's the beauty of music. You should be able to listen to this and identify and, and go, yeah, you know, I'm down, but 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 never count yourself out. And you know, if, if this if this encourages you to just give up, I think you you really miss the whole meaning of the song. You know, uh, and, and I think he already gave up, and, and that's sad. But I, I've been listening to this song for years, and I'm going to listen to this song, you know, Dave Willen, for many more years to come. It, it's a fucking masterpiece. I don't know if um, I just thought of this. This song inspired by One Flow of the Cuckoo's Nest. Was that out yet? Was that out? Yep. It, it was out yet, but I, I didn't read anything that it was uh, inspired by it. Uh, it just says lyrics that depict a man waiting for death as he suffers from catatonia and depression. Um, you know, through, though, the man, though, though the manner of his death is unclear, it's implied to be by suicide. Um, Doesn't the lyrics talk about him being in, like, a insane asylum? 
uh, I believe so. I, I, I'm bad with lyrics. It, it's like one of those things. Like if I hear the song playing, I can sing along with it, but I I, I can't recite them verbatim. But um, I mean, it, it very well could be. I think I mean, there's a line in there to do with the rubber room or something. I can't remember. I think there's a line where he says, "You're not going to do this now, are you? Not now." I don't I get that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that means, but I laugh. You don't remember that scene from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest where she's gonna, where she changes the World Series? Oh, okay. And, and he goes, oh, "You're not gonna do this now, are you?" Okay, now I get. He goes up to Nurse Ratchet. Love that shit. I love that movie, man. You see, Nurse Ratchet deserved that Oscar. She won, right? I think she won that. Yes, yes, yeah. She won, and, and Jack won. She was on. And, and it got best picture. She she oh Jack won. Yeah. Awesome. She yeah. died like a year or two ago. Yeah, yeah. Louise Fletcher, amazing actress. Nobody could have played Nurse Ratchet better than her. <laughs> wickedly good. I I always think about that first scene though where. Where fucking Jack's getting interviewed by the guy and goes, I don't know who you are, but when they put that little beaver in your face, you don't ask them how old they are. <laughs> you can't you can't throw that line in a movie today. Yeah. And I know I, I didn't say it verbatim, but you but you get the point. Yeah, I know. I remember that. Yeah. Or that he admitted to banging a teenager like, Yeah. Yeah. No uh, opening scene. Yeah. yeah, for the for for those of you who use idiots who've never seen one floor of the cuckoo's nest, basically he gets arrested for statutory rape and acts fakes being insane to get out of like you know doing hard labor and shit like that. Yeah, and, and it don't end well. <laughs> That's such a great movie. I saw it in the theater as a little little kid back yeah. in the seventies, man. Me and my friend Yai. We saw The Exorcist, The Omen, all these movies. And we looked like little kids. We were. We were fucking 9, 10, 11 years old, going up to the box office, one one for Exorcist. They'd give us tickets, and we'd walk right in. You're you're right, the 70s did roll. You saw that in the theaters, and I saw Smokey and the Bandit 3. (laughs) I saw you in theaters. The 80s sucked. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I love this song. This is my favorite Glenn Tipton guitar solo ever. What he does on this song, and, and KK does a killer solo at the end. But that mellow type, there's so much feeling in Glenn's playing on this song. And yeah, I love it. It's mellow, it's heavy, it's mellow, it's heavy. I believe Les Binks had a lot to do with this song. Les Binks actually wrote the music to the song and gave it a offer. Yeah, yeah, he was the co-writer, and this is the only Judas Priest album where all five members are credited. Uh, I think Invader uh, has an Ian Hill co-write, and this one has a Les Bings co-write. Amazing, amazing song. Absolutely love it. All right, and I never seen him play this live till the Ram It Down tour. Nice. Yeah, I saw Screaming. Uh, Defenders, Turbo, none of them. They didn't play the song, but man, when I saw Ram It Down, he threw this on. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> go ahead. 
I, I thought it was cool that they played it on the uh, Painkiller Tour, which was right after the lawsuit. You know, this is the one they got sued for, and I love that they're just like, fuck you, we're playing Beyond the Realms, you know? And you know, when, when they played Concrete Foundation, uh, they played Better By You, Better Than Me that nice. night in 1990. They nice. didn't play on the tour, but they played it at Concrete Foundation. Um, yeah, what can I say? I love Beyond the Realms of Death, and I have this vinyl uh, that has Beyond the Realms of Death from Unleashing the East. That wasn't a bonus track on those. Ooh, yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, there's. I have a vinyl. It brings. It brings all the bonus tracks, plus um, Beyond the Realms of Death, uh, which is great. But you know what? I know it might be sound controversial or some, but I don't think the bonus tracks. On other CDs can match the greatness of Unleashed CDs, and I well, can... so, sometimes I, I I think you get so used to an album like the the track listing what it is, like when they add shit it just sounds jarring. I, I think one of the the rare exceptions to where I actually enjoyed it was when Cheap Trick released the complete Budokan. Right. Uh, I I enjoyed the complete version way more than the original like i can't even listen to the original budokan anymore i have to listen to the complete but there, there are other times when they add bonus stuff and it's just like it, it almost takes away even if it's a good song or a good performance sometimes it just shit's so ingrained like i i think unleashed in the east is for a lot of us that the rest of it it's sometimes less is more sometimes less banks is more than alan moore I can't listen to the complete Budokan anymore. Really? I love it. Don't get me wrong. I loved it more than the original at Budokan. But when I went and revisited the original at Budokan, there's just... It, but you know what? You had to be there. You yeah. had to be there when that album was released. How special yeah. it was. You know, it's just... Yeah. love the, the whole vibe of that album, you know? I, I, I mean, I had it at Budokan first. You know, which is funny because I bought at Budokan right around the same time I got Unleashed from the East. Um, but w w when the Complete came out, uh, to me, that it just felt more like a real show than Budokan. I love it. Don't get me wrong. I love it. But I got I, I, I kind of missed the original version. It's more pop. I, I get you. There's, not, there's no real happy songs on that Budokan. Right. The complete right. version had the heavy tunes. Oh yeah, definitely. And, and I love it. I love the complete version. I bought the box that has like four shows on it. You know. Yeah. Uh, and the and the video, the Budokan video. All right, all right. Well, take the last song, Heroes End. Heroes End to me is the greatest Judas Priest deep track ever. This, if I had to pick one song that I want to see Judas Priest play. It would be Heroes Night. That's the song. This song is so good. It's so amazingly good. Not talked about in the circles of Jesus Priest. Nobody brings up Heroes End, which is ridiculous. Because this song is so fucking epic. And this is the one where KK really shines at the end with the whammy and shit. Just so badass. And it ends with KK. Doing the wah, wah, it's just the craziness. Love Heroes End to death. Probably my second favorite. Nah, third favorite. I put it, I put it right below.
Beyond the Realms of Death, Excited Beyond the Realms of Death, and Heroes End are my three favorite tracks. I'll stay class. Love the hell out of song. The greatest Judas Priest deep track, in my opinion. Awesome. Well, this is the one that they've never played live. Wow! That's crazy. Yep, never, never played it live. And I don't know why, because this is so Priest, so Glenn. Um, and in my opinion, it's a great closer. I don't know. I kind of go back and forth on should this be the closer or should Beyond be the closer. Uh, but they're, they're both perfect, you know. They're both amazing songs. Uh, but it is kind of weird, like, you know, coming out of Beyond and then going into this. But I, I, I fucking love it. I mean, it's great. And uh, and I'm really surprised that this is the one, you know, the one that's never got played live. But, you know, what an ending, you know. Uh, this is the kind of shit we love and talk about. Nine tracks. This shit doesn't overstay. It's welcome. Uh, it's like 40 minutes long. Uh, comes in, kicks the living shit out of you. And... Um, to me, it's the pinnacle, and like I said, you didn't have like, you know, what you would get in Future Priest. You would get more of the the silly cheesy songs, uh, you know, like your United and and uh, uh, what's the one off? Parental guidance. Yeah, parental guidance. I, I'll give you that. Uh, what's the other? Uh, what's the one off of fucking the next album? That's really fucking Take on the World. Yeah, terrible terrible but um now my, my favorite priest and i was so excited because this this is the kind of shit i had in mind when i was like i need to wash this fucking kiss bullshit out of my fucking ears uh this was absolutely perfect um nope wife's calling um yeah fucking amazing this album was released uh first of two albums in 1978 uh this one was released February 10th, produced by, uh, most of the album was produced by Dennis, uh, I gotta bring it up here, uh, Dennis McKay. Uh, there was one track, uh, and it was the last one added, Better By You, Better Than Me, was produced by James Guthrie, who was uh, more known for uh, Pink Floyd, uh, very involved in the latter part of their career. But the record company you you made mention earlier about you felt like that was maybe a record company. Totally. The record company heard this and they felt the album was way too dark and they needed something commercial. And Better By You, Better Than Me was added at the last minute. And Dennis McKay was already producing another album, couldn't be brought back. And that's why they got James Guthrie. Um, so good catch on you if you didn't know that. Uh, you're pretty, pretty fucking observant. Uh, Better By You, Better Than Me was the first single, uh, released in January of 78, and then in May they released Exciter, uh, as the second and last single. This album did go gold, uh, but not till much later in, in Priest's career, you know, after they made it bigger, um, you know, in, in the States after British Steel and, uh, you know, Screaming for Vengeance. I believe this was the first one, though, to chart in the U.S., it charted at 173 in the top 200. Um, I believe this was the first tour, too, in, in the States. Um, well, 
I correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the first tour in the states was Sin After Sin was the tour I believe when they opened up for Priest. They uh, I mean, for they opened up for Priest. They opened up for Led Zeppelin. I think that was, was only one show. I could be wrong. I know they toured with Zeppelin in Europe, but the yeah. on the green. Yeah. And, and I think you're right. I think that was Sin After Sin. But yeah. I'm not sure if they did uh, an American tour. They might have. True. And True. I know I know they were opening for everybody back then. They opened for what is the call for Ario Speedwagon, for Kiss. Yeah. They opened for a lot of bands back then. Yeah. And I, and I just you know before we go on, I just listen to this too. I thought about the show that you and me got to see, and 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 what. A goddamn incredible show that was not only you know because i was in a very low point at that show when you're like come out you know spend your birthday with me in fucking miami beach you know got to hang out with you hang out with charlie and Danielle at the show and dave the beast spitz was there and uh what a show and i just want to run down that set list because we were so lucky i was looking at today uh necromancer the sentinel heading out to the highway Spectre, Take These Chains, Judas Rising, Out in the Cold, Traitor's Gate, Starbreaker, Stealer, Halls of Ahala, Killing Machine, No Surrender, Victim of Changes, All Guns Blazing, Hellbent for Leather, and then the encore of Breaking the Law and Living After Midnight, which Glenn came out. And at that time, we really thought that was going to be the last, uh, you know, the last appearance of Glenn Tipton. Uh, it would have been cool in a way if it was, but in another way, I'm glad it wasn't, you know. I'm glad he's been able to do, you know, if a you few recall, more encores here and there. If you recall, Ian, I wasn't with you at the show when I bumped into my friend Pete, who was managing Priest at the time. Right, right. I, you you told me, yeah. Rose with ACDC. Right. DD Top. And yeah, he said, tonight is the last time you'll see going on stage. Right. Then uh, it, it was a fucking great night, and you know to get to see it with you, you know, and Charlie and Daniela being there, it was an incredible night. And, uh, I hope I get to see Priest again. I really do. And Bream was there. Oh, that's right. That's right. Bream was there. I drink a lot, but uh, amazing, amazing, and, and and so so fun to talk about. Uh, you know, an album that means so much to me. Um, and we're, we're going to get back at it next time you see one of these type episodes we are going to get back to the fan paid episodes but today we just picked one for us and uh, I needed it after that, that, that kiss episode on the Almost Human channel <laughs> right. but it's time it's time to go into pick of the week and Ralph no I don't have one go ahead alright well luckily for you and I know you hate when I do this but I do have two um because it, it, it's very rare these days that there's two albums that really get me excited that are new, that aren't like fucking reissues and stuff. But there's a brand new live album from Uncle Acid and the Deadbeats called Slaughter on First Avenue. And it's uh, compiled from two shows played at the legendary First Avenue Club in Minneapolis. Um, I think one from 2019 and one from 2000 or 2022, something like that. Uh, but man, was it fucking good. And there's a lot of, you know, 
bands that we love, you know, legendary acts that, you know, there's a lot of bands every time they tour now, you know, something like Maiden, they always put out a live album. You might listen to them once, you know, do you go back again? This was the first time in a long time I listened to a live album. And, and trust me, I like some ones that, you know, Motorhead's put out posthumously. Uh, and I like them, but have I gone back? I can't say that I have. But this is one I listened to and I was like, holy shit, is this a great, great live album. And this is something I'll definitely replay. So Uncle Acid and Deadbeat Slaughter on First Avenue. And uh, oddly enough, my second pick is a tribute album, which a lot of those, like, you know, I'll download a bunch and I might listen to one or two songs, but in reality, I never go back and listen to. But this one caught me off guard and it was, man, I loaded it on my phone. I've been listening to it a lot. It's a Blue Oyster Cult tribute album called Dominance and Submission. And it's basically a lot of bands that I've never heard of. Uh, a lot of like stoner and desert rock type bands. There are some that some of you might know, like Mondo Generator with Nick Oliveri. Um, there's another track that has Nick Oliveri and Mark Lanigan from Screaming Trees and Queens of the Stone Age. But a lot of their bands that I've never heard, never heard of or anything from and shit. But I like them and what I like about it is the songs are either pretty faithful or take it in such a direction that it sounds fresh but none of them sound like, you know, they went too far. You know, like you know, some of these tribute albums, you'll hear one, you know, where it's like, oh, what's the point? It's too close or, you know, like this is so far removed, I have no fucking interest. But I found it a very interesting uh, tribute album. Dominance and Submission's the name of it. Uh, check it out. Uh, I'm gonna be doing a lot of shit uh, related to the podcast this week. And I know there's a lot of people who wrote me messages that I haven't got back to about like, you know, cause I always say like, Hey, if you guys want this, I'll, I'll send it to you on fucking Dropbox. Uh, and I'm going to get to all those people this week. And if there's any people who can't find, uh, this, this BOC tribute album, which it might be pretty hard to find, hit me up this week. I'm going to take care of everybody. It's going to be like the fucking Godfather. Send me take care. I want it. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to take care of everybody this fucking week. I'm going to go through all the messages. I'm going to set up the fucking uh, the Patreon, all this shit. I have cleared my schedule this week. We are going to clean business, and we are going to fucking start whooping some ass at the Rock and Metal Combat podcast on all fronts. I'm going to get to everybody, the Patreon. I'm going to be back on the Facebook page. Um, ready to start taking this shit to the next level. And I encourage everybody, get your ass on our Facebook page this week to find out how you can join the Patreon. And... Get your ass on the YouTube page. If you haven't subscribed, subscribe. As well says it helps the algorithm. No, if you like the video, it's, it's good for the algorithm. Yeah, yeah. Like oh, the shit. Subscribe. Oh, no. Hold on. What you do is you subscribe, you click the little notification bell for notifications, and then like the video for the YouTube algorithm. That's the way it works. And now Ian is uh, changing headphones here. Is he ready? Let's find out, because I ain't editing this show. This is all one take. You ain't there, Ian? Are you there? I guess not. Well, as he's trying to get, I got a pick of the week now. Wait, what was it? Damn it. Oh, okay. 
talking about them earlier, actually. The last Flotsam and Jetsam out, Blood in the Water. Oh, is that album? Hello? Yeah, you hear me, Ian? All right, he doesn't hear me. That's my pick of the week. Hey, hey, I, I can hear you now. Can you All hear right, me? I just, I just gave my pick of the week. Okay, what was your pick of the week? I'm curious. Flotsam and Jetsam, Blood in the Water, their last album. Awesome. awesome. Just do yourself a favor and click, go on YouTube and click Flotsam and Jetsam, Prepare for Impact. It will mess you up how good that song is. That's my pick of the week, man. Flotsam and Jetsam, Blood in the Water. Awesome. And, and now I learned how to switch my headphones when, when the other ones die. <laughs> right. Which is important. Which is important for future shows. Well, now we go to Fan of the Week, and Fan of the Week, I'm going to be very uh, gay and, and vague here, but I want to thank everybody who's, who, who's stuck by, and, uh, you know, I know it's been kind of dead around here, other than what we've done on Facebook Live, and, and now we're back to, you know, a traditional episode that you know and love with the news, the review. Yes, we are going to change the format up a little bit uh, once we're done with these fan episodes. But this is something you can count on from now on. Uh, you're going to have the vi uh, visual, uh, visual version on YouTube. You know, you're still going to have the audio version. And I want to thank everybody who stuck by us. And uh, I, I'm excited for you guys to have different ways to enjoy the show and check it out. And just everybody that's listened to us, you know, over all these years. You know, <laughs> twice today we got shot down for recording episodes that we've already done but that shows you how long we've been doing this shit since 2014 and we're old we forget shit you know and, and luckily sam wets you know a lifer uh let us know like hey you can't do that you already done it <laughs> you know and we don't redo shit like some other podcasts you know we don't we don't do it for the uh 39th and a half anniversary you know we've done it we've done it we'll move on to something fucking new because we're the world's podcast. That's right. But ma mainly America's. Ma and mainly goof, America's. Goof on the bosses, Boston race is all you want. But that guy gets more views than... <laughs> ain't going to say it. No, I ain't going to say it, but he does get more views. But, uh, yeah, I, I want to thank everybody. And I was, it was glad to see the outpouring when I posted today on the Facebook page that uh, Ralph and I were recording tonight. It was going to be a regular episode and it was going to be available, you know, in the different formats. Um, so, yeah, just, you know, get on the page. If you've been off there for a while like I have, man, I'm guilty as a motherfucker. I have been on there for shit. Uh, I'm going to be back on there. I'm going to have a lot of information about how you can join the Patreon. Uh, you know, go to Tone Threads. Get those Rock and Metal Combat Podcast t-shirts. Pay us, motherfucker. Pay us. We give you a lot of entertainment for not a lot of money. And uh, we're going to give you something special, you know, for five bucks a fucking month. We're going to give you some special live shows and, and bring something really unique. And we're going to step it up and uh, kick things into gear here. And if you like this episode and you want more like this, come back next uh, no, 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 no. Come back next week to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. <laughs> this has been this has been a uh, uh, schmackamagab. What what up your butt production? <laughs> See you next week. <laughs>